Blog Talk Radio.
Father, Father, we just praise your name and we thank you. Father, I thank you for the extra boost of energy that I need since I was woken up at 3.15 a.m. this morning. Father, I just praise you for my job. I thank you as, as incredibly insane as it is uh, that you have blessed me so. So many people are out of jobs. So many people are um, going to really horrible, horrible things most of which never makes the media, most of which never even gets brought to our attention at all as people are more and more they're losing their apartments, losing their homes, losing their jobs, losing everything, and having to live out of their cars. It's just an, the situation, as you know, Father, is just you know beyond it's beyond people's comprehension here in the United States of Babylon the Great. And um, I, I can't even imagine how or why it would be any other way, uh, given what's going on in this country. And I just praise your name, and I thank you, Father God, for your mercy upon those of us who are struggling, we're fighting, we're scratching our way uh, to maintain some, uh, some, some semblance of balance on that narrow path. Lord, we, we lift up the and we, we praise you with the prayer from the book of Jude, I believe it's 24, where it says, you know, now to him, our Lord Jesus, who's able to keep us from stumbling. Lord, we just need you to help us. Isaiah 4031, we just love it. And it says, you know, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Well, in order to renew it, we would have to have lost it. And there are so many prophecies going back, wow, three, five, ten years even, where you spoke through some highly trustworthy, I would leave with all of my heart, the highly trustworthy prophets that we're hearing very clearly where the word was that you knew you knew and you you know even now how utterly utterly weary we are and i think really the word weary is woefully insufficient i think the better word for those of us particularly those of us who are working in the workplace in this um upside down world that we're in right now um it is uh exhaustion utter and absolute exhaustion clinical 
clinical exhaustion. I should be clearer. And Father, I think you understand this. It is with your strength and your strength alone that we're able to continue to tarry on. Um, some of us are blessed with, uh, you know, less stressful jobs. And uh, let us just give you the glory. I mean, just worship you. For those who do have less stressful jobs and their jobs are relatively secure, which I call, you know, I think all of us are aware that job security nowadays is very tenuous at best and could shift on any one of us at any given time without without warning. Father, we praise you for the, uh, the for opening our eyes to help us to be able to see that we are not only, you know, entering into the beginning of sorrows, but indeed that we've entered into the sorrows period and that we are enduring, uh, watching and, um, you know, for if we, you know, as the scripture says, if we had known when the thief was going to come, we would have stayed up and watched for him. And we're watching for you, Jesus. We are. We're watching for you. We may be a little bit, well, a lot of bit exhausted. We may be struggling with, um, you know, buried subconscious stress may be associated with our job, some of us. Um, uh, you know, I think it would be a lot more stressful for any one of us that is working right now to lose our jobs and everything around us because we have to deal with the chaos that's associated with that, uh, which is vast. Um, I've been there and done that, as you know, Father. And and we're just we're just punching our way through, Father. We're scratching and punching and kicking as best as we know how to be able to deal with the subconscious. You know, I don't, I, Father, I don't know how to get rid of the subconscious thoughts. I don't know how to get rid of them. I know that, um, you know, we can pray. I know that we can anoint the four corners of our beds with holy oil and and uh, and make it a sanctified zone uh, while we're sleeping if we're suffering from bad dreams or whatever the case is. But, you know, uh, and I haven't done that. So I haven't done that recently. So maybe I should try that tonight. Praise Jesus. But, Father, I just pray that you will reach out and touch every single listener of this program, both past, present, and future. I pray in the name of Jesus, Father God. Please, Lord Jesus, cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, and our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood, Lord Jesus. And, Father, purge it and refine us with your holy fire in the name of Jesus Christ, our King. Hallelujah. May we be found worthy uh, and counted worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before you, Jesus, at the wedding supper. But we, this would, that, that one event, Lord, that one thing would make all of this suffering, all of this utter exhaustion, all of the hidden cooped up stress. I know, Father God, that we're, we are to trust you. Isaiah 23, verse uh, 6, you know, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because we trust you. And that is a promise. Uh, praise you, Jesus. In fact, uh, it's 26, verse 3. I got that reversed. I'm so tired. Father, please forgive me. And, um, and Father, I just ask you to, to for anyone to list me up, uh, you know, even, even briefly by name, I'm asking you for a tenfold blessing upon them and their families. Um, uh, I'm asking you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for divine protection, holy warrior angels, holy fire around their dwelling places in the name of Jesus. Father, keep us all uh, steadied, if you will, and, and, and infuse us with the strength that can only come supernaturally from you and that peace that passes all understanding. Because as you know, Father God, and as you've heard me discussing with other fellow believers, when you reach a state of clinical exhaustion, when you reach a state where you're, uh, you know, it, you, it, it, everything is messed up. 
your whole biorhythms, every everything that's associated with our existence here in, in the flesh is absolutely beyond any there's words that can there aren't words that can describe the magnitude of how messed up we become. We we have difficulty hearing you. We have difficulty concentrating. We have difficulty speaking coherent sentences. And um, Father, we just pray that you will keep us going uh, and, and anoint us, inject an infusion of your strength. We need it now because we, uh, you know, it, it, while it does look like we are approaching the finish line, has for many, many, many years, we've learned, unfortunately, through the school of hard knocks, hard, um, what would you call them? Troubled times, period of sorrows, Knox, that um, what we imagine in our heart as far as our time to go home is quite frequently not the reality that we end up experiencing. And we hope that someday, very soon, Father God, that we are wrong. But let us also have strength in you to be able to complete this race even if we have to fall flat in our face on the concrete of a sidewalk and catch a couple of Z's in between. And we just give you all the praise and glory and honor for now and forever. Continue, we pray that you continue to bless us, continue to protect us, continue to draw us in closer, continue to help us to reside in the secret place of the Most High. I thank you, Father God, for the resolve, even amidst this clinical exhaustion. I thank you, Father God, the resolve that you have placed upon my heart to continue with my prayer life unhindered, uh, in all the aspects of it to be, you know, comprehensive. And I thank you for, for that, even though I don't really, as you know, have the energy to con- go forward. But I, it's through you that we gain that strength and perseverance. And and uh, as it says in Revelation 3.10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial that comes upon the earth to test those who dwell upon the earth. And Father, we want to be part of the Church of Philadelphia, and we give you all the glory and praise, and we pray, Jesus, please count us worthy to escape all these things that are clearly here and oh those things that are on their way that are coming upon the earth and we just praise you and now to him our lord jesus who's able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless someday before the presence of your glory father god with exceeding joy and to you father our savior who alone is wise be glory majesty dominion and power both now and forever hallelujah amen
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if I fall asleep during this show, okay, just setting the, setting the, you know, I'm just level setting with everybody. If I fall asleep during this show and I start to snore and you start hearing something in the background going like, and then all of a sudden I wake up and I go, Lauren, Lauren, hurry up. What? Wait, where are, where am I? What is this? What? Oh, uh, it's a radio show. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry about that, Lauren. Um, if that happens tonight, please forgive me. Um, so, you know, hey, um, I praise God. You know, you have good problems and you have bad problems, right? Good problems, bad problems. Bad problem is you lose your job, you lose your house, and you're sleeping in your car. That's a bad problem. A good problem is you take a new job, and they're so overwhelmed with work that they're just you know, hey, take this, take this, take this. That's okay. You can work until 1 o'clock in the morning every night. It's fine. No problem. Got all the faith in the world in you. We know how great you are. And, that, you know, of course, they talk you up and talk you up and talk you up. And then you're, like, looking at the workload going, what, do you think I'm 22? <laughs> well, anyway. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Good problems and bad problems. That's a good problem. Hallelujah. And I thank you all for mentioning me in prayer. And I do pray for you. I can assure you. Um, it's my it's my good, godly, and kind, anointed, and holy pleasure to lift every listener of this program up before our Lord Jesus and our Father God and pray. I pray fervently for every single one of you to be counted worthy. I pray fervently for the Lord to draw you in and, and get your house in order and, you know, whatever it is that, you know, whatever it may be that, that the Lord needs to harmonize with his will in your life, uh, that he'll, he'll reveal it to you. And if it requires a little bit of refiner's fire or some, you know, uh, frying pans over the head like I get a lot of times, um, you know, hey, so be it. What well, The main thing here is no matter what we go through, I mean, think about the people that are really suffering. Think about the people that are North Korean Christians is it where they got to sneak out in the middle of the night, you know, 2.30 a.m. and stuff, sneak past guard posts and, and, and slide off into the hills and find themselves a cavern where they can go in and pray together, um, you know, in, in the uh, wakes, you know, the we are's around about the time that I wake up <laughs> and I don't even have any kind of, you know, kitty cats or any of that kind of stuff waking me up. My dogs are sound asleep. As a matter of fact, they're, they're dismayed. You know, when I, when, when I'm stressing out and it's always subconscious, you know, the funny thing about it is when I go to bed, I feel great. You know, I'm praising Jesus. I'm talking to him. All is well. I have total peace. I'm focused on the Lord and it is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then I get nailed, you know, in the middle of the night. It's my subconscious that drives me nuts. And I actually have some really good sleep aids for that. But the problem is you can get a really bad hangover from that for those. So when you only end up with like three and a half hours of sleep and you have a hangover from your sleep sleep aids or whatever, um, yeah, it, it, it makes for just an awful, awful day. But anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Like I said, good problems, bad problems. So thank you for your prayers. And it's time to move on. All right. Glory be to God. So we got a lot to share with you tonight. Um, but first and foremost, we do not want to forget the kids. Kids, are you ready? All right. You guys are little troopers. 
All right, kids, what is a robot's favorite snack? A robot's favorite snack. Maybe we should ask Elon Musk. I don't know. Computer chips. Oh, man. Computer chips, kids, for a robot. What do you think? Oh, I'm so far. I'm so- I'm so exhausted. It does. I'm just like sitting here staring at the screen going, uh, did I just tell a joke? Um, why do spiders make great web developers? Why do spiders make great web developers? Because they're always finding bugs. <laughs> Kids. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. And kids, why couldn't the computers fall asleep? Because it was always too wired, like me. (laughs) Always too wired, like me. As a matter of fact, if my hunch is right, probably about 2, 2 2.15, a.m. in the morning, this is what's going on in my head. guy's got a lot of energy. Um, But anyway, uh, (laughs) you know what we haven't done for a really long time? We haven't done the apocalyptic bullet points. I'm feeling up to the challenge. Okay, ready? Here we go. Okay. All right. Here it goes. Ready? Planet X, Nibiru, Second Sun, FEMA camps, FEMA coffins, great aliens, alien abductions, FEMA trains, mass graves, naked body scanners, theatines, mind control slaves, Paul Schneider, Dolce Wars, Bob Lazar, reverse engineers, alien spacecraft, Bruce Allen Walton, Utah State Penitentiary, Disclosure Project, Clifford Stone, 50 undocumented species, Georgia Guidestone, reduced population of 500 million, Islamic Rise, I'm Almaty, False Messiahs, Operation Burden Plot, MK Ultra, 9 11's Inside Drop, Israeli Messiah, Georgia State Collapse, Martin Bush in charge of Securicon, 89 Truth, Building 7 Collapses, but not hit by plane, 7 7 Ripple Effect, Establishment of Northcom, Elimination of Pazi Kamatatis, Russian and Chinese troops on American soil, Denver Airport Underground Bunkers, Forces of the Apocalypse, Close Encounters of the Third Time Coordinates, Deep Underground Military Bases, CIA and Key Operations Relocate to Denver, Atlantis, Lemuria, Middle East Muslim Riots, Public Video Surveillance Cameras, Unified Global Control Grid, World Government, NATO, President Directors, 951, National Defense Authorization Act of 2012, No Habeas Corpus, Extraordinary Rendition, Military Industrial Complex, Military Extraterrestrial Industrial Complex, Chemtrails, High Frequency Active Aurora Research Program, Heart, Magneto Electron Train Systems, Genetically Modified Foods, Seed Balls, Terminator Seeds, Codex Alimentarius, Agenda 21, Ship Implants, Ancient Aliens, Anunnaki, Hidden Nukes, Micronukes, Body Micronukes, Underwater Pyramids, Foreign Troop Builders, Martial Law, Project Bluebeam, UFOs Around the Sun, Hybridized Humans, Akhenaten Hieroglyphs, Pyramid Shaped UFOs, Super Soldiers, Nanotech, Financial Class, International Monetary Fund, Supercurrency, Disclosure Secrecy, Zacharias Fiction, Corruption of the Human Genome, Perfect, Perfectly Possessed Human, Shape Shifting Reptilians, Vibrational Shift, Mainstream Media UFO Report, Stern Accelerator, God Particle, Effects of a Rogue Planet, Any Matter Accumulator, Stargate, Wormholes, Spirals, Asteroids, Comets, Cosmic Disturbances, UFO Wars in the Earth's Atmosphere, Suns, Heliosphere, Neutrinos, Earth's Core, Earth's Magnetosphere, Third Generation Night Vision Goggles, Earth Wobbles, Electric Orbit, Eccentricity of the Moon, Alien Maces, Energy Orbs, Strange Sound, Sky Trumpets, UFO FBI Documents Release, Economical Religious Initiatives, Pulse Shifts, 501 3 Government Church Controls, Bleeding Cosmic Visitations, Global Seismic Indicators, Rise of the New Age Police, Indigo Children, Star Children, Kundalini Spirits, Personal Angels, Energy Orbs, Wind Towers, Lightworkers, Black Federation of Lies, Financial Collapse, Third Seal, Media Front Loading, Alien Movies, UFOs, Prophetic Movies, Endless Distractions, Earthquakes, Volcanoes, Tornadoes, and Extended Winters, Animal Bios, Pandemic, Manufactured Poisons, HIV, 87 and 9, Swine Flu, Ebola, Pineal Gland Destruction, Advanced Bioweapons Release, and Bizarre Chicken Behaviors on the Compound. Aluminum foil, foil, where it has its foil line, 
to pro or read your mind. Just a bit peculiar. Seems a little crazy, but someday I'll prove. There's a big conspiracy. The, the limits of debate in this country are 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 established before the debate even begins, and everyone else is marginalized. They're made to seem either to be communist or well, some sort of disloyal person, a kook, there's a word, and now it's conspiracy. See, they've made that something that, that, is, that is, uh, should, should not be even entertained for a minute, that powerful people might get together and have a plan. Doesn't happen. You're a kook. You're a conspiracy buff. There's a big conspiracy. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. <laughs> No, for crying out loud. Uh, talk about a blast from the past. Hey, 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 get out of here. Out, out, out. Stop that. Get lost. Get out. Out. Uh. Hey, out. Those things are nasty. Uh, anyway. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. All right, so um, that was kind of interesting to a little bit of a flashback from the past. We, we got lots of really good flashbacks from the past. Oh, man, here's here's the helicopter coming by. Remember this? You are on the red list. Come out with your hands up. Are you serious? Are you serious? Captivates or captures the days that we're in right now better than anything is. Hey, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> um, and no, no uh, sound of freedom pun intended there. All right, praise God, thank you Jesus, because we live in a day of danger. Will Robinson, danger. Does not compute. Does not compute. And then of course, look up. Your redemption draws nigh. And then we'll all be like looking at each other going, surprise, surprise, surprise. (sighs) Nah, I don't think there'll be any surprises. (laughs) Not in this group. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note, let's go ahead and go into the news while I'm not snoring. (laughs) Praise God. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, it's not normal. This is disturbing. Game over. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay, so here we are on Wednesday, September the 27th, and we're still surviving. 
by the skin of our chinny-chin-chin. You know, every day I wake up, I feel a little bit more like the martyrs under the throne. And I just want to, like, my feet hit the ground, say, praise you, Jesus, for answering all of my prayers. Thank you, Father, for answering my prayers, because I know that you are, I know that you shall, and I know that it is a work in progress, and I give you all the glory. Thank you, Father. And then I shift over to, you know, the martyrs under the throne. When, Lord? When are you coming for us? You've got to read, you know, it's like, you know, kind of like how I feel sometimes. I think a lot of us do. Um, you know, uh, it's you know, this comes with the territory, and you know, it, it's fascinating. I I kind of wish now at this stage, I had made a, a Manila folder collection of printed out prophecies going all the way back to 2013, of all the times that um, you know the good prophets. I'm not talking about the pillar prophets that are part of clubs and all that kind of stuff. That you know the uh, you know, I'm just not going to get into that. I'm talking about the ones that are the, the, the that the uh, the people that hang out on the seven mountains don't like. They call them doom and gloomers. And, um, you know, I'm like, well, have you read the New Testament? You know, have you ever cracked open the book of Revelation? Will you put the giant Sharpie marker down for a second? But anyway, um, but it's all right. You know, we're all in this together. And um, I'm pretty sure the Lord has every intention of waking up the um, even our fellow brothers and sisters that are hanging out on the top of the seven mountains. And unfortunately, those, you know, fortunately, uh, not unfortunately, but fortunately, I think our Heavenly Father will wake up those who religiously follow those who hang out on the top of the seven mountains. And that's okay. We're all in this together. We need to be praying for one another. Um, uh, You know, I pray a lot for the lost. I hope that you do, too. Um, Those are, are, you know, our two biggest asks. Okay, our two biggest requests from our Heavenly Father, scripturally speaking, you know, other than like, you know, just doing good, kind, loving things, um, you know, like it says in the book of James, if anyone knows to do do good and does not do it to him, it is a sin. That's a pretty high bar. Okay, and uh, so anyway, um, you know, we it's it's a very we we walk a very challenging walk because unlike many of those of our fellow brothers and sisters that we know and we run into or we maybe hang out with or that are part of our family or whatever the case is, we've learned that we ultimately got to put ourselves kind of in like a a cone of silence because, um, you know, if we start chattering, you know, we might, I don't know, I have had mixed results and mixed experiences dealing with my family over the years. Now, they've come a long way. They've come a very, very long way, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of the seeds that I planted over the years, um, you know, helped, helped them along in their walk and to wake up to a lot of the things that they otherwise wouldn't have woken up to. Um, and that's good. Praise the Lord. I mean, that's what we want to do. That's what what it talks what it's talking about in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 14, 15, 16, that kind of thing, where it says, you know, and your works will be tested of what sort they are. And the word sort is not quantity. It's about quality, which is why the parable of the talents and rewards, the three different levels, the one buried it, the, the one person that got got a talent or whatever, uh, you know, buried it and didn't re- get any return on hit the investment. Okay, and that's that was the one that, um, you know, Jesus uh, took 
took the, uh, you know, said, you know, essentially said, well, you know, it wasn't a positive thing. In other words, he took away, you know, the rewards of that particular individual and gave them to somebody else. And then the second, you know, then there was a second and third level. One had got a big return. One had got a mediocre at best return. But what was fascinating is that the one that got a mediocre return and the one that got a really good return were both told you have done a little for the kingdom and you will be rewarded with a lot kind of thing. So that's very encouraging, I think. And then, of course, you got the parable of the, uh, um, you know, the workers in the vineyard where Jesus, um, you know, and I just cut to the chase. I'm not going to sit here and pussyfoot around with the words. You know, we all know it's Jesus. We all know that it's Jesus that the parables are talking about. So why play games? You know, it, it, that's what it means. We know it. We already know it in our spirit. We, are not, we know it in our heart. And uh, and you have the you know the parable of the vine you know the workers in the vineyard and Jesus you know brings in there's like three different groups or something like that and and uh, you know and, and you know basically when they were all you know some of them showed up very late for work you know at the end of the day and they didn't have to work very long but when Jesus was handing out the rewards uh, you know he gave them all a denarius you know a day's uh, wage and the uh, ones that were there all day were like hey hey. Hey, that's not fair, man. That person only worked for a couple hours. I've been here for nine, ten days or whatever the case is. And Jesus was like, man, hey, is this my vineyard or what? Don't I get to pick? So, you know, he is the king. Uh, and these are words of great encouragement to those of us. You know, here's the thing. I would rather serve God for a short period of time and do a really good whiz-bang job of it than serve him my whole life and do a really crummy job. Okay, which is precisely what no, I'm not going to get into. And I don't want to pick on our fellow brothers and sisters. We all know the state of churchianity in the United States of Babylon the Great. We know it. We know what it is. And 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 it's it's unfortunate, but that's okay. We need to pray. Um, again, the two biggest callings I believe with all of my heart are praying for the lost and praying for one another. I believe that those are bar none, the strongest, most emphatic callings of our heavenly Father upon us right now, especially. Okay, and if you can, you know, kind of wedge in the time. And you're like me, and you're fortunate enough to get woken up at 3.20 a.m. or 3.15 a.m. or whatever. You'll have a little bit extra prayer time, and you'll be able to um, pray for the people that are stuck on the seven mountains. Pray for the people that are still embracing the pillar prophets, even though they haven't been right one time in 10 years and all that kind of stuff. It's okay. I, you know, I just read a group of pillar prophets uh, that uh, somebody I know sends around pretty frequently. And I was like, oh, I'll be doggone. They're still saying the same thing. None of them are changing their tune. They're all holding, holding their ground. Uh, that everything's going to turn around and be hunky-dory and that the Starship Enterprise is going to beam Trump into the Oval Office any second now. And that's that's fine, you know. I mean, it's it, it's it's unfortunate. Um, and I'll tell you what, you know, um, we are blessed here in the United States of Babylon the Great. If God is, you know, providing that God – and we're blessed no matter what. Okay, so let me be perfectly clear. I don't want to put if, ands, and buts in on we've, – we've if, ands, and buts into the fact that we're, we're, we're very blessed to be here. Now, what would be not so much of a blessing is to be part – to be stuck in the pews, to be stuck in churchianity, to be stuck listening to the pillow prophets, to be stuck watching people jump around and, and do the things that they do, but never talk about hell, never hold the people accountable for sin, ne you know, never really warn churchianity, never, never really warn the people that are pumping a collection plate. And there's um, a judgment in Ezekiel 34 about that. You know, you basically, to summarize, a very long judgment uh, in Ezekiel 34, it even says in 34, I think it's 17, it says, I will separate the sheep from the sheep. 
New King James Amplified. It doesn't say that in the King James. The better translation in that case is going to be your New King James and your Amplified, where it says, I will separate the sheep from the sheep. And what does that mean? Well, it means that it's the, separating the wise from the foolish. Okay, praise God. And um, so anyway, um, you know, uh, will that happen? Absolutely will. Is God allowing, and I've seen this prophetically spoken by very, very good prophets over the years, that God was going to separate husbands and wives? Yes, indeed. And that's fascinating because really when you think about it, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 14 says, um, you know, the uh, unbelieving wife is sanctified by the believing husband. The unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife. Otherwise, your children would not be holy, but now they are holy. Okay, so, um, you know, I'm not going to dissect that. I'm just I'm not going to sit here and unpack it and do a study on it. I'm just going to say, take it at face value. But, um, you know, when you consider that, you know, it says in the Old Testament, um, you know, that uh, God hates divorce, uh, you know, and, and all that. And you listen to the admonishments of Jesus and how he raised the bar on that whole deal, which is powerful in the New Testament. Um, then, you know, to to actually have our Heavenly Father separating the sheep from the sheep to the point where he's actually separating husbands and wives is very, very telling and very, very dramatic. Okay, now it doesn't mean that it's easier for you to go through. It isn't any easier. Just because we, you know that we are at the end of the, uh, you know, essentially getting very close to the end of the race, whatever that means, okay, because um, we don't know. We don't know. Um, and I just, uh, I praise God. You know, I praise God for the lessons learned uh, that we can all take away from, uh, you know, um, let me see, think, 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 think. Um, 2015, you know, when uh, Fauci, Gates, and Melinda Gates, and, or, or, you know, I'm sorry, Fauci and Obama, the Antichrist, were over in the Wuhan lab spending their millions and millions of dollars through, uh, you know, their just an unbelievable seething, seething, dripping evil. Um, just mass murders. Just amazing that they could get away with it. Uh, the horror that has been brought upon this earth. But remember always uh, Ecclesiastes 7.14 where it says, uh, you know, and I'm summarizing. I don't have the time to look it up, nor do I have the energy to look it up, and nor do I have even the focus of my eyes to look it up, probably. I'd, I'd really have to squint. But anyway, um, you know, but Ecclesiastes 7.14 essentially says, uh, when, when there are blessings and good times, you know, when there's prosperity on the earth, you know, give praise to the Lord. But remember that even when bad things are coming, you know, God brings those as well. Okay, and, you know, and Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust and all that. So there's our additional admonishment. Uh, Job in 13.15 says, though he slay me, yet I will trust him no matter what. So no matter what we have to go through, no matter how hard it is, no matter how exhausted and clinically, you know, I'm not, nor how, you know falling flat on your face on a, you know, 115 degree pavement and just, you know, going into a deep sleep because you can barely walk to the mailbox. Hey, I get it. I get it. You know, lessons learned, and we all learned a very valuable lesson with a, wow, I don't even know how many. I remember at one time back in 2015, early 2016, now I started playing the Donnie Marie stuff, but that was back before I realized that that was uh, copyright infringement, and I took a lot of that stuff down, almost all of it down, uh, which broke my heart. It really did, um, But because uh, we used to have 7,000 radio shows up, and to have to take 
thousands of them down because of stupidity and ignorance because every Tom, Dick, and Harry out on YouTube, Christian was out there playing songs that they were illegally not allowed to play, and then they would put up the FBI Fair Use Act, which or Fair Use Banner, which, by the way, doesn't work. Okay, I, I studied uh, 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 copyright, uh, and, and if you're taking music from a master, from a musical master, okay, something that was you know cut in a studio, like a Carrie Joby hit or whatever the case is, um, you know, or, or Agnes Die, which I used to open up the show with all the time. Uh, no, that's illegal. You can't even play two seconds of that. You are illegal. And the Recording Industry of America or whoever they're registered with, typically what happens is when, the, when a person goes in and registers for the copyright, which, by the way, is typically not the artist that does it. Okay, the artist goes in and they sing songs in a studio and it gets all mixed up together and the band comes in and they play la, 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 blah, blah, blah. Okay, but then somebody else, probably somebody associated with the record label, goes in and registers everything. And the, unfortunately, the way that it works is that everybody's in on it. Okay, the record label gets a chunk, the drummer gets a chunk, the people that move the soundboards, the little uh, rheostats and balanced out the music get a chunk, the people that arranged the song get a chunk. Um, you know, I mean, everybody's got their hands in the cookie jar when it comes to copyright. And so what happens is if you're like making a movie, for example, in Hollywood, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but in, you know, when you're making a movie in Hollywood, they actually have like a, you know, a whole floor of people that do nothing but get copyright clearance. You know, so if they're going to use a song from, you know, the Beatles or whatever the case is, they have to pay royalties. They have and they have to go through they have to go through special channels to identify everybody that needs to have their hands greased. That's how it works. And so what you can't do, which what was something that I was doing, is you cannot go to the artist and say, hey, artist, uh, is it OK if I use your music? Once that's registered into the system, it's game over. It's game over. And then at that point, the recording industry of America takes over and they will take your house away because the way that it works is for they estimate they go to your podcast channel and they look and they say, OK, there were seven uh, Christian songs that, you know, were played on this particular show. Then they go in and they look at the data. They can subpoena the data from the podcast company. In this case, it would be blog talk or whatever. And then they can um, – and then they estimate how many listens there were. For every single person that heard that podcast, it's a $125 fine. Do the math. What if it's thousands and thousands of people and it's $125 per person? Now multiply that times 7,000 shows. <laughs> okay. I would uh, not only would I own them my house. I would own them. I would have to work as like, you know, slave labor for the recording industry of America for like the rest of my life. Um but anyway, um when I figured that out, which it took me long enough, let me tell you. As a matter of fact, I got a call, a direct call uh from uh brother LV Zapata and uh, I was out on a job, I think in uh somewhere in uh, Arizona or something in a hotel and he calls me up. He goes, "Brother brother John, brother John, I just got a, a letter from, you know, uh, a lawyer in Chicago, and I have to fly out there because I was using Christian music on my show. And he goes, I'm just calling you to warn you. This is, you know, this is serious. This is real, real serious. And I'm like going, you know, I knew his voice. You know, I knew who Elvie was, and I, I love him. And uh, I was, I freaked. I literally freaked. And I went in, and I sat down, 
um, at the desk in my hotel room, logged into the Blog Talk Radio program, and I just started deleting shows. It took me like three hours to delete that many thousands of shows. Now, then I was like putting out petitions to everybody that were listeners. I was like, if you have any copies of the radio shows, if you're one of those people that downloads every show and saves it, please send me copies. So I had that, and I also had uh, uh, Apple iTunes that was doing some automatic downloads. But what's fascinating is when I go back to do best of shows, even though there were thousands and thousands of programs, there really are only about 2 to 5% that are still relevant. Most of those thousands and thousands of radio shows are just simply not relevant anymore. They were great at the time. They were great at the time in particular uh, because of what we believed at the time, because we had not gotten all the information that we needed from our Heavenly Father yet, which, by the way, set us up to embrace the idea, and I won't name the names, but I used to have, i got a big whiteboard here beside me, right here in the Golden JIB studios, and um, uh, and it, it was just covered. I mean, it was just covered with um, lists of people that were prophesying many different things, but all of the prophetic words were saying that Obama was staying in the, in the White House. He would be our last president. And, oh, my goodness gracious sakes alive, did I have a lot. I mean, I had a lot. And, um, and the diversity of the prophecies, it came from so many different people. And then there were people calling into the Alex Jones show and telling them that they passed by. They were going down, you know, I-10 or whatever, and they passed by a semi-trailer where a, um, you know, state trooper was, uh, you know, inspecting the back of the semi-trailer. And they had the door open, and they saw in the back of the truck, they saw, you know, just the whole trailer was completely full of signs that said martial law in effect. And these people are calling, and, and we're getting confirmations left and right. And um, But anyway, uh, you know, so anyway, long story short, we believed God's servants to prophets. We believed that we had adequately and appropriately vetted, vetted the prophets and that we had an extremely trustworthy A-list. And unfortunately, they were all – I mean, God brought us – People that were on that, you know, Sid Roth, that were world famous, uh, you know, just amazing. And all of them were confirming the same thing. Obama's not leaving the office. The world's going to go into absolute martial law and chaos, and he will be the last president, period. End of story. And then we find out from that guy who turned whistleblower from the Club of Rome. I don't know if you heard it heard me play it but i've played a lot of these things on the radio shows before and i know that not everybody gets to hear every radio show i get that and i, I don't blame you it's it's not like i'm sitting here kind of wagging my finger at you saying shame on you you should have heard it you know i broadcast that you know but i i, I know how it is believe me i really do okay you know um i i've had people come right out and tell me straight to my face i cannot listen to a three-hour radio show i can't my work Everything, schedule, you name it, I can't do it, I'm asleep, 15 minutes into your program. All right. So anyway, I get that, and I praise, you know, I, I totally understand. And um, But anyway, now we have that whistleblower that's come out, from, you know, from the Club of Rome, which, by the way, is they're part of the Committee of 300 from the John uh, 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 Coleman book. He was part of MI6, which is a covert group that's higher than MI5 that is 
never talked about in the United Kingdom. And he wrote the book, The Committee of 300, I guess after he retired, and he ratted everybody out. Okay, the problem is that they, these entities give birth, okay, and then they raise up. I mean, we got George Soros' son coming out and taking the reins for George Soros. He's about to kick. I can't wait for that. And there's a special spot in hell for him. Um, but now his son's coming out and saying, I'm ten times worse than my dad. And I'm like, you know, you're not getting a millisecond of my prayer. But anyway, um, there's too many people that are lost because they're just living in – Unfortunate countries. They've been raised by unfortunate parents. You know, their their sociopolitical and environmental dynamics have put them in a place on this earth that they need visitation from angels. They need to be touched. There's they live in parts of the world that are never going to have, you know, Brother Sammy Mwangi visit. They're never going to have, you know, there are parts of the world where there just simply is not any, um, uh, uh what do you call it, um. Yeah, that's how tired I am. I can't even think of a, you know, um, that, whatever. There are not any missionaries. That's the word I was looking for. Praise God. Uh, and it's true. You know, and when, when people, when missionaries do venture into unusual places, you know, like way up in the mountains of Nepal or whatever, they, you know, they, they're, they can get killed. <laughs> okay? They're not welcome there. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, um, uh, you know, we got to I want to get I want to get these things out to you. There's a lot here, um, uh, you know, for us to share tonight and um, keep us all on track as the best as best as I possibly can. Um, and and I do. I, I just thank you with tears in my eyes. I thank you. Um, uh, they, they may not be in my eyes right now because I. I think somebody would have to slowly rip one of my fingernails off to get tears to come up in my eyes right now. Uh, but anyway, because um, I'm definitely operating on um, – I don't know what I'm operating on. All I had was an omelet and a um, little bit of cheddar cheese, a couple of pieces of sausage, very small links. But that was it. I feel very full. My um, my blood sugar is, is uh, incredible. It's like – there isn't a diabetic in the world or a type 2 diabetic in the world that wouldn't be so jealous. It's like 92, you know. Um, and my uh, ketosis level is running around 2.8, which is astonishing. Um, for a person who, who lives a sedentary lifestyle, super no, I should say supremely sedentary. Now, granted, I want to get back on the workout machine, the elliptical, and start walking again. But it's very, very tricky business because I still got to do my last surgical appointment over my meniscus surgery. I was told by a doctor in physical therapy that it can take up to a year, and I was a worst-case scenario meniscus surgery patient. Um, the doctor was very forthcoming on that. Um, but I'm doing good. Uh, now, granted, he's still drowning me in my ibuprofen 800 times too. So how much of that seeming relief is the ibuprofen versus – I don't know. I can work out on the elliptical trainer and go for a brisk walk. My proclivity, though, however, I have it programmed somehow into my DNA, and I haven't been able to get rid of it, and that's fine. But I, you know, I kept my weight off for, wow, like 20 years, and the way I did it was because I, be I became an aerobics freak. I would, wear, I would wire myself up before I would start to work out, and if I wasn't hitting 140 beats a minute or higher, 
I would punt. I would push myself uh, very, very hard because back in those days, they didn't have the data that they have now. And so the only way that you were able to, you know, to lose weight or burn fat or whatever the case is, they told you had, you had to be at uh, 90% of your maximum heart rate for 30 minutes minimum. And I was, I was OCD over that. Um, so unfortunately, that somehow, I don't know, finds its way into your psyche. And so what happens is I know I'm just supposed to take a nice leisurely walk, like I'm walking around the cul-de-sac on my elliptical, but then this subconscious thing kicks in, and the next thing you know, I'm like going like super fast, and I'm like, and then I go, oh, no, 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 and I got to like slow myself down, and then it gets impressed upon my heart, John, get off the machine now. So I, I, I've only been doing 10-minute instead of 20-minute uh, slow walks, uh, and I've had two very strong impressions to get off the machine, and I praise Jesus that I did, uh, even though it was only half the time that I normally allot, uh, because, um, you know, I'm so out of shape uh, because of the many, many months of um, being trapped in uh, post-op um, that, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, it, it atrophy sets in. I don't know if you understand what that is, but basically your muscles become atrophied. And um, let me tell you something, getting back into even walking condition can be agonizingly painful. You got to work your way into it and you got to spread it out over time. And I noticed two days after I did my last walk on the elliptical trainer, I was hurting. My calves ached. They were hurting. And I thought, uh oh, it's a good thing I, I felt that strong nudge. I, maybe it was the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But I felt this strong impression John, you need to stop now. And two days afterwards, I was feeling the pain. And here's the thing I, I you know, to get to my bedroom, I, in my office, I got to go upstairs. Okay. And, and, and let me tell you something, you know, you, you know, if you, if you overdo it, you know, you're trying to go downstairs to, to feed the dogs or get yourself something to eat or whatever. And you're holding onto the banner crying out. It hurts so bad. Words can, I mean, it is, oh man, agony. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So enough of that. I know we need to get on with the news. We got to bring on brother Lauren here pretty quick. Uh, we might bleed. Well, we're definitely going to bleed over past eight o'clock, but he's used to waiting and we go all the way to 10 anyway. And Lauren's a cool guy, so he will he'll let me snore in the background as and you know and it'll all be good. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. So first up is Kevin McCarthy uh, has a shutdown dilemma. Now this is the same guy that we had a zoomed in video of his um, shirt that he was wearing when he was talking about the Lahaina. Uh, fires and they, and the uh, folks that spotted it, they noticed his shirt. They zoomed in really, really close. Good thing they did. And it turns out he had a Bohemian Grove owl, uh, part of the Bohemian Club. So he actually was kind enough to wear his Bohemian Grove. Uh, membership shirt while he was lying his filthy satanic butt off, okay, uh, pretending like he cared less about the, the murder victims and the, the stolen children from Lahaina. All right, and uh, and Alex Jones, God bless his heart, but man, he has become. I still like him. I still listen to him, but boy, he is so scared. He's he's very very nervous about the whole Sandy Hook thing, and he gets very apologetic. Um, 
um, he's afraid to come out and tell it like it is now. And I'm going to play a little clip, and you're going to hear him doing that. He's kind of backtracking, going, well, I really don't know, and I really don't know, and I'm not really sure. He's doing that because once bitten, three times shy. And it's breaking my heart. But you know what? It's just the way it is nowadays. These guys are trying to stay out of jail. They're going to put Owen Schroyer. They've already called Owen Schroyer his sidekick um, because he was on site at January 6th. You know, uh, they're, they're, They want him to do two two months in prison. Now, he's going to fight it, and he's got a, a fun going. Uh, but anyway, you know, thank you, Jesus, that we know that we are citizens of heaven. We are sojourners. We are not to participate in these things. This is not what we're here for. Even during, We're Hacksaw Ridge people. We are Hacksaw Ridge people. Watch that movie. Okay, take, take notes. Okay, remember that during the Revolutionary War, the real Christians were the Quakers. And what they did to serve the country was they would run notes. They would part, you know, they'd be part of Washington spy, spies, but they would never pick up a weapon. Okay, praise God. Those were, you know, but anyway, um, so I've, told, I've talked about this a quadrillion zillion times. And, um, you know, I'm too tired now to leaguer the point. All right, praise God. But anyway, uh, so uh, it says with just five days to go until the government shuts down without uh, without a spending deal, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is at a crossroad. He can either shut down the government and possibly save his standing with the Republican hardliners, threatening to oust him as the Speaker, or work with Democrats to pass a short-term spending bill and avert government shutdown potentially at the expense of his own speakership. So he's very, very troubled. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play what I played on the last show just to refresh your memory. This is Matt Gates, and he is the lone holder-outer. Well, I don't know if he's totally alone. Uh, there, It does say that there are other Republican hardliners. I do not know who they are, but I can say for sure, uh, and he's not bashful about it, is that Matt Gates is um, kind of like the ringleader. And um, Lauren Boebert and him were very outspoken about McCarthy. But um, Marjorie Taylor Greene, McCarthy had promised her a committee position, so she was very positive about, you know, everybody's out there slapping backs and shaking hands, and it's evil. It's evil. I don't care how outspoken. I don't care how conspiracy theorists these people are. I don't care. At the end of the day, you know what? I'm, I'm under the impression right now. It might be a bad impression. Probably is. But sometimes I get the feeling that the only legitimate two Congress people, well, no, I'll make that three, is Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, and Rand Paul. And that's it. And for you, you folks that are listening from uh, Canada, Belgium, France, uh, Spain, Australia, the Philippines, and parts of Africa, and all that kind of stuff, I apologize. We are all one body in Christ, and you probably don't know these names. You're probably not familiar with them, and uh, so this is probably putting you to sleep, and uh, it's my fault. <laughs> but, but you know, here's the thing. I know that the folks overseas – or I say overseas – the folks that are blessed by not living in Babylon the Great, you know, and you are – you may not realize it, but you really, really are. Um, uh, you know, you may not know these names, but I can tell you something. One of the things I can tell you beyond any shadow of a doubt is you're going to want to be watching. I know you're going through your own stuff. Believe you me, I know. Okay, I do. I pay very intimately close attention to what's going on in all the other countries because I realize the Bride of Jesus Christ is in all 195 countries, 243 with the island nations. I get that. I always have since, since the onset of this program. I've always known that it was global, and I never wanted to focus too much on the United States of Babylon Great. However, 
We have come to an impasse. Yes, Klaus Schwab. Yes, King Charles. Yes, these shape-shifting reptilians and entities from the bowels of hell are definitely moving forward with this creepy agenda. I've even heard reports that they're trying to speed it up because they, they're sensing that 2030, if they set the goal to 2030, they're not going to make it. So they're pushing up the date to 2025. Yep. Okay, now... Now, one of the things these, these entities are supposedly, according to those who understand them and study them, which I don't. I mean, I, I know enough about them to be able to do this program, and then some, and other otherworldly beings as well. Um, but my point is this. You know, we only need to know what we need to do to do the Lord's work, okay? And I, I, I'm blessed and anointed, and thank you, Jesus. I praise God that the Lord has shown me things like they know how to manipulate the hologram. They understand how to manipulate mass. They understand how to manipulate quantum physics and particles. And they, and they use the power of God through adrenochrome to do so, okay? Okay, so I'm not going to get into all the details of that. I don't have time, but I want to, I, I'm going to go ahead and play just for recollection's sake, Matt Gates going at um, uh, this, uh, oh, I don't remember her name, but you know what? I'm too tired to care. Uh, you know, I think her name is Maria something, something, something from Fox News. Let's listen to what Matt, I, I just want to refresh our memory on this because this was absolutely brilliant on his part, and he did not let her step on him. She was trying to put him in a corner. And he just, he trampled her. So I tip my hat to Matt Gates. He's one of probably three that are the only ones that are willing to really stand for what needs to be stood for, not just a bunch of lip service. So anyway, let's go ahead and recollect this. Hallelujah. Here we go. This morning. Oh, thank you. I, I'm glad I get to respond to your monologue, because if you're saying that I'm standing in the way of all the Republican wins, I'd love you to enumerate them. Watching my friend and mentor Jim Jordan, it was, it was quite painful because he started by saying we should only pick one fight, the border. But then as the interview went on, he said, well, we should pick a second fight, Jack Smith. And by the time the interview rounded out, he was saying that we shouldn't be funding Ukraine without a plan. And yet the very continuing resolution that you and Jim Jordan seemed to be for continues to have $300 million more for Ukraine. So I think we ought to fight on all fronts. I think the border is very important. And the best way for us to advance the Republican border policies is to pass the Department of Homeland Security Appropriations Bill, do that along with veterans, defense, ag, state and foreign ops. We'll have 73% of the discretionary uh, budget funded. And if, you know, the Department of Labor and Education have to shut down for a few days as we get their appropriations in line, uh, that's certainly not something that is, is uh, optimal but I think it's better than continuing on the current path we are to America's financial ruin. Congressman, I understand, and that is why you are on this program this morning, because I want to give you a fair shot, and I want to get your, you uh, heard. So tell me why you are threatening Speaker McCarthy and trying to shut down this government uh, at a time that the Republicans have finally gotten some upper hands here uh, in terms of wins, able to investigate President Biden on what looks like uh, bribery. Yeah, we don't put our pencils down in the investigation of President Biden during a shutdown, so the premise is false. Second, if Kevin McCarthy was actually serious about pursuing the Bidens, he would have sent Hunter Biden a subpoena by now. That's how you know this is sort of failure theater that you're observing. During the first year of Democrat control of the Congress, they brought in Donald Trump Jr. three times over nothing 
over a nothing burger. And so we seem to be fundamentally unserious in our oversight. But what is serious is the fact that we are spending more than $7 trillion a year, bringing in around $5 trillion a year. And uh, it, I want to fund the government. I'm not pro-shutdown. But the way to fund the government is not the same way we've been doing it since the mid-'90s, where it's one up or down vote on the entire government all at once. We should have separate single-subject spending bills. Kevin McCarthy promised that in January. He is in breach of that promise. So I'm not here to hold the government hostage. I'm here to hold Kevin McCarthy to his word. Are there Freedom Caucus members also out of compliance? They were also on the Appropriations Committee. Where is the responsibility for them? Are they also out of compliance? No, uh, I'm not a member of the Freedom Caucus. I'll let them speak for themselves. But take, for example, the border. This issue you think is has great primacy, and I would agree with you. The Department of Homeland Security Appropriations Bill was passed out of the Appropriations Committee in June, and yet Kevin McCarthy hasn't put it on the floor in more than 100 days. That, that is not serious. You know why Kevin McCarthy didn't move our border appropriations bill? Because the lobbyists and the special interests who own Kevin McCarthy want to put us in this position where we're backed up against the wall, facing shutdown politics. And what that does is it centralizes power to the people that they buy off with PAC donations and lobbyist donations. And then the membership doesn't get to make real, real, real contributions to that process. I'm trying to democratize it. The bills are being worked on. You just heard Jim Jordan say that they are efforting four bills this week, appropriations bills this week, to get through. That would partially fund the government. Uh, the defense bill as well, you wanted the defense bill to move forward, did you not? Yes, that's why I voted for it, and I voted for the rule to proceed onto it. And by the way, don't give Kevin McCarthy credit for the fact that we're moving on to these four appropriations bills. That was the deal that House conservatives foisted upon Kevin McCarthy. When he couldn't just move the big spending bills without moving the bills that cut spending, we said, no, no, no. You have to move bills like the state and foreign ops bill because we don't think we should be borrowing money from China to go fund gay pride parades in Prague or LGBTQ uh, you know, seminars in Indonesia. We don't think that that's a good use of our money. And the right. only way to do this, Maria, is line by line. Kevin Kevin wants it in one big up or down vote, keep the government open, shut it down. I'm saying single subject spending well, bills. It's the only way to break the fever and liberate ourselves from this out of control spending. Well, he's doing the four bills next week. So we're mean, making him because we're making he's him doing it. So to push now to blow up all of the wins that you all have had now, which seems, wins, please enumerate them. Well, OK, well, how about the fact that he has set up a weaponization committee to investigate the DOJ, whether they're involved in a cover up. That's how about the fact that he is. Hold on. Wait how about the fact that he. Hold on. How about the fact that he has set up the China Select Committee to keep China to account? And of course, he has launched this uh, inquiry into impeachment, potentially, for President Biden. Is that not what you want? None of those things are deliverables. Those are steps in a process. Setting up a committee is an end unto itself only in Washington, D.C. The American people demand results. Hold on, I'll let you talk, okay, Maria. Go ahead, these, go ahead. these committees have done nothing to reduce inflation. They've done nothing to actually constrain the Biden government. We can set up committees and have hearings and yell at people, but at the end of the day, if we still send the check to fund a weaponized government, having a weaponization subcommittee is little relief to the American people. And if any of this was serious, we would be sending out subpoenas and compelling process the way the J 
January 6th committee did. We should yeah. be operating like them. Instead, we're playing patty cake with the Bidens. We're allowing Actually, them to get away with it. And we're yeah. funding it. We're sending the money. If we were serious, use this, the power of the purse. The speaker joined me a week ago and told me that he will, in fact, subpoena Hunter Biden. He said at the appropriate time. But let's be well, it's clear. Been eight months. We would not when, know when do you think the appropriate time we would not know is? How many months do the American people have to wait before that subpoena is sent? You tell me. We would we would not know any anything that we know about the Biden family. 176 suspicious activity reports, 20 shell companies set up while he was vice president, the whistleblower testimony. We would not know any of this if not for those committees that he set up exposing all of this. We just right, heard from we Merrick Garland last it. week. But you, you have to follow that to its natural conclusion. It's not enough to expose facts that get people angry and animated. You then have to follow those facts to a conclusion and to accountability. You see, that's what Republicans Republicans are bad at. We're great at having the hearings and putting on the performances, but if you're still going to underwrite Biden's debt, which is what Kevin McCarthy did joining with Democrats on the debt limit deal, and if you're going to join up with Democrats to see, still fund his are government, Merrick Garland will sit there and he'll answer my tough questions and he'll smirk at me or he'll obfuscate. And then guess what? He goes back to the Justice Department and the coffers are full with money from the American taxpayer that gets turned against the brave patriots in this country. You know, what about the January 6th? Kevin promised he was going to release the any, I'm still yeah. Well, the January 6th tapes are available to anybody who wants to see them. He gave them and allowed Tucker Carlson and his true. team to see them. How's yeah, it? If it you is walked true. In, no, Maria, they are not available to anyone who wants to see them. That is, a, that is a factual misstatement. They have been curated for some people in the media and some defense attorneys, but any American cannot you, see any of the January 6th. Are that you is a not false right now indirectly working with Democrats because you are going to allow Chuck Schumer to come up with a continuing resolution next week to fund the government? That's what your actions are doing. That's why some people feel this is a personal vendetta you have against the speaker. No, my vendetta is against a Washington system that allows corruption to put the interests of lobbyists and PACs above the interests of the American people. Kevin McCarthy facilitates that system, and I do deeply resent that. But I'm not working with Chuck Schumer or any other Democrat. I am the one working with House conservatives You're to require single-subject spending bills. No, no, no. You guys criticize me for forcing single-subject spending bills. Then you give Kevin McCarthy the credit for doing it. The reality no, is this agree. is the only way agree. to liberate our it's September. We knew September 30th was coming all year. And Kevin McCarthy has been dilatory. He's been fiddling like as Nero as Rome it, burns. As we understand it, they're doing this this upcoming week. So we will right, be watching that. Are... All right. <clears throat> Makes me just want to reach through the computer. <laughs> Gates gets it. And she's, like, defending him. I mean, I'm like, whatever. I don't even want to. Okay, so the point was made. I wanted to make that point because it's very important. Now, I got a whole bunch of other really important stuff to share with you, so I'm going to keep on hammering my way through it. This one is from uh, Alex Jones, and I'm not going to play the whole thing because it's long, uh, but uh, I, I want you to hear at least the intro to this particular segment. All right, praise God, and here we go. It has to do with uh, who is like likely to be running for president against whoever else is running for president. I'm just going to leave it at that. All right, let's listen to this. It's Tuesday, September 26, 2023. I'm your host, Alex Jones. And we've got big breaking news coming up in the second hour with Roger Stone. He was the first to say it two and a half years ago, right when Biden first saw the election, that they were going to replace him 
before the next presidential election with Michelle Obama, a.k.a. Big Mike. So we'll be doing the deep dive on um, who's behind Big Mike and, and, and what the mindset is of Big Mike and how Big Mike will measure up against uh, Trump coming up in the election because it's now being said by the top Republicans across the board and major Democrats that they're preparing to replace Big Mike and then the uh, – uh, or they're preparing to replace – Biden with Big Mike, and then they're also getting Gavin Newsom ready for the VP, or maybe even leaving Kamala in as the VP. So they'll have the gimmick of twin twin women as the president, vice president. You know, they love gimmicks as America burns the ground and tyranny. Don't worry, though. We've got two women of color running things, so you can't criticize it or you're racist. All right. Praise God. I'm going to go ahead and stop it there. Um, and he goes on and, you know, uh, as you might imagine, and then he even gets apologetic and he goes, I don't really know if, uh, you know, this individual is a transvestite, but then he starts talking about the appendage showing and various, you know, he, he, it's like he's, uh, he's ducking another Sandy Hook trials, what he's doing. And it, it breaks my heart. I just, you know, but that's okay. I totally understand where he's coming from. He, you know, some of these folks, it's not that they're cowering before, stuff it's just that you have to balance risk okay you do you have to come to a point where you balance the risk and if a person knows that they can do more good by dodging a particular subject and just not talking about it or downplaying it and they can continue to work on you know they can continue to do to do what their mission is then that's that's risk management, okay? And that's what he's been doing lately. And like I said, it kind of makes me sad because it means that the censorship and the lawsuits and everything else under the sun that's been happening out there is having a grave effect on some of our most important sources out there. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Trump's corporate death penalty explained. And by the way, the uh, veteran Manhattan fraud prosecutors describe what's next. So what did they do to Trump this time? Well, a Manhattan judge on Tuesday found Donald Trump and his real estate company liable for fraud. So basically they analyzed how uh, things were done uh, by them. They felt that they had enough evidence to indicate that he had inflated uh, uh, real estate values to get better deals, which, of course, any businessman would do. Every business businessman is out there, especially those who work in real estate, play that game constantly. They're just doing the same thing that they've always done, which is they're, you know, if he scratches his head with the wrong hand or something, whatever. Okay, they, they you know, they're, they're, they attack him. And, um, I, you know, it's just astonishing. It's supremely astonishing. The judge ordered that the Trump Organization's New York corporate charters be revoked immediately. And then it says receiver will be up, a receiver will be appointed to dissolve the company, uh, but years of appeals may play out first. All right. So you got all that information now. All right. Now, praise God. So I want to play this for you. This is really, really important. I'm going to do a little bit. I'm going to protect my ears because it's so loud. But I'm going to play a little bit of the trumpet fanfare. Then I'm going to play this. Don't ask me to explain what he's talking about because I don't know. I don't know, and I can't even hypothesize. I have no idea. As a matter of fact, I tracked the the various communications on my finely tuned Twitter feed, and I looked for any indicator that somebody might have a clue what he's talking about. And the reality is that even the deepest, darkest conspiracy theorists out there don't know. Nobody knows 
what he's talking about. All right, and evidently it's not the first time he said it. All right, so let's go ahead and get a little trumpet fanfare thing going on here, just a little bitty one. Praise God. So let me go ahead and play this little ditty. All right. Um, and this is Donald Trump speaking. It says um, he's, in, he's on the stage in Somerville, South Carolina. And listen to what he says. It's a very short little snippet, very short. But please, please listen very closely to what he says, okay, because it has – it's the biggest mystery I am aware of. I mean, there's other mysteries and stuff that are out there. We all know that. But I'm just saying, as far as what we have in our imminent future, this is huge. And I don't know what he's talking about. So if you know, and I don't know, please send me an email, jbaptist777, again, jbaptist777 at gmail.com, and tell me. Because nobody out on Twitter or anywhere else out there seems to know what he's talking about. All right, here we go. Let's go ahead and bring it up. Got to hear it with your own ears. Very mysterious. Here he goes. Twice we're going to break it a third time. We're going to break our own record. So less than five months from now, we're going to defeat crooked Joe Biden. We're going to take back our country, and we're going to make America great again. We broke the record twice. We're going to break it. A All right. So you heard it. You heard it in less than five months from now, which basically takes us over to sometime in January of 2024. What is going on? Oh, and by the way, he even says in some of the other speeches, he says, our country cannot endure another year of what's going on, which he's right. He's absolutely right. It's going to collapse. And he knows it. So what's going on with that? Now, again, like I said, I've got intel coming in from all over the place that indicates that the World Economic Forum and all the evil ones and the shapeshifters and all that kind of stuff are accelerating their plan. That's the thing. When they start getting quiet, it's time to really be concerned. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And, of course, this post from a woman who calls herself Suze2022 says, hey, in Iowa, he said we defeat him on Monday, January 15th, which happens to be uh, 2024 in less than five months. And then she puts two little prayer hands up. All right. So what's the mystery? Nobody knows. All right. So anyway, praise God. I wanted to share that with you. What does that mean? I don't know. Are they going to lock down the country before then with something else? I don't know. Are they going to do a black swan event like General Flynn thinks sometime this fall? I don't know. What about that banker we played on the last show that said that he was pretty sure they were going to launch CBDCs by the end of this month? I don't know. We don't know. And half of the claims that come out, even from the most qualified whistleblowers, do not pan out. All right. So hopefully we've learned our lesson from that. And we, you know, we're, 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 we're occupying, as the King James calls it, uh, the other uh, translations basically say, stay, you know, keep about your business. Okay. The word occupy is not used. It's the actual strongs that whatever. Okay. Praise God. Now, this is Joe Rogan and his guest talking about the CBDCs. Okay. The central bank digital currencies, the cashless societies. This is a fascinating audio clip, so much so that I actually saved it to my local repository. Okay. Let's listen to what he says here. This is uh, yeah. God, if this isn't an example of how our Heavenly Father uses creepy, dark times like we're in right now to awaken to 
awaken people, there's, there is any such thing. In other words, this is it. This is the bomb. This is the bomb right here. This is Joe Rogan, and he's got gazillions of listeners. Listen to what he's talking about right here. Let's bring it up live. Here we go. Uh-oh, hold on. This is where I get I oh, Hold on. How right. long before we're a cashless society? This is where I get scared because it's too similar. It's too Good. similar to exactly what it beast. says. You won't be able to trade. You won't be able to do anything unless you have the mark. How is the mark of the beast described in the Bible? We should read it. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a dragon. It deceives those who dwell on earth. It also causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. She's all happy that she can pay with her groceries with her hands. And now she has this big, surprised, happy, giggly look on her face. How long before we're a cashless society? This is where I get horns like a lamb and it spoke like a... This, that's what I'm talking about. Folks, we've entered into a period of time where pretty much every time we share something with somebody, I hate to say this, gosh, I hate to say this, we're throwing our pearls before swine. I don't like that analogy at all. I don't like it. And I know that, I really believe with all of my heart that Jesus was talking about filthy Unbelievers, really, really filthy, destitute, you know, just horrible, abominable unbelievers. I believe that that's what he was referring to. And I don't want to use that term for sharing with other Christians. I think the better term was throwing your pearls before people that are in an ignorant state of denial. They don't know any better, or maybe they do, or they ought to, but they just can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth! Right. I think I I wonder if I still have that here. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, uh, Hey, now, wait a minute. I'm looking. I thought I did. I thought I had that um, sound effect, but it looks like I do not. All right. I ooh, I got the mothership. I got the alarm. I got the screaming woman. Um, Freaky. I got that. Yeah, no. I don't have uh, You Can't Handle the Truth anymore on the soundboard. I don't know why. Shame on me. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's go ahead and move on to the next one. A vaccine. Get this. You're not going to believe this. Well, maybe you will. I mean, anybody who doesn't realize that the world is absolutely insane right now, you don't get it. I I don't mean that to be a dig. I don't mean to be. I don't want to. Please don't take it the wrong way. But you don't get it. Okay, it's not. I'm not trying to be mean or nothing, but you truly don't get it. All right, and um, and unfortunately, we don't. I don't think we have enough time on the earth to really educate people who have been willfully ignorant and willfully unwilling to listen to the things that are going on out there. They just shut down. They just shut down, and they they, they you know. And uh, so anyway. And I even know people that are very awake and aware to all of the stuff. They heard the stories about the adrenal chrome and the children being stolen and all that kind of stuff, but they're still hugging the ankles of the people up on the seven mountains, which is fine. You know, I mean, it's not fine. It really isn't fine. Uh, but, you know, we just need to pray. I mean, our, the power of our prayers, we underestimate that so 
badly. And if we just knew how important, that's why even when, when you know, my unfortunate circumstances or, or fortunate, depending on how you look at it, really, okay, um, sometimes it just takes an attitude adjustment. I survived today. I was miserable, extremely tired, barely able to form sentences, but I got through the day, you know, and I praise God for that, you know, so I'm not, you know, in a cave in the rain with a couple of people, you know, so hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, but we, you know, anyway, all right, so anyway, listen to this, a vaccine, I am not kidding, a vaccine to protect you from dying from the vaccine, Yes, you heard me right. All right, let's go ahead and play this newscaster. Hold on just a second. Ah, come on. There we go. An Australian biotech company has developed a new treatment it hopes will prevent people dying from COVID vaccine. Okay, do you heard it? And no, it's not a joke. <laughs> a bio-intech company or bio-company from Australia has invented a vaccine to save you from the vaccine. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's a good thing I never bought that shrimp fork. I'd have all kinds of holes in my chest right now. All right, praise God. Listen to this uh, This particular testimony. This is from an oncologist, and those are the ones, the medical doctors that specialize in cancers, right? All right, so I'm going to go ahead and share this one with you. It's kind of alarming, but we all kind of, I think we all know. And it's only a 44-second 40 clip. Oh, and it's so much worse than Anyway, then what you will glean from what this individual says, it's way worse. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and pull this up. It's very poignant and very relevant to where we are right now. People are going to be dying for cancer. a long time. What does that mean? Hold on a second. Herb, 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 cancer. What does that mean? Turbo cancer, it's a recent term. It arose in the public domain, and it really describes aggressive cancers that are arising in COVID vaccinated individuals. It's showing up in young people, people in their 20s, 30s, 40s. Uh, the youngest case that I've reported was a 12 year old boy who had one Moderna vaccine. Four months later develops stage four brain cancer and then six months later he died. And so this is something I've never seen before in my career. I've diagnosed probably 20,000 cancer patients in my career. I've never seen cancers behaving like this um, and they grow very, very rapidly, and they present at a late stage. Turbo. Ben Bendazal. <laughs> Ask for it by name. Oh, and by the way, if you do decide to go ahead and buy yourself some Ben Bendazol, be advised that it, while it will cure, if you take one in the morning, if you get to 444, which is, I think it's 444 milligrams, I'm not really sure, but it, that's the stronger version. The 222 is the weaker version. But if you get to 444, you take one in the morning, one in the night. Do expect to get back um, uh, uh, diarrhea. Do expect to get diarrhea if you're going to go through the entire bottle, one in the morning, one in the night. Okay, and if you actually have cancer, you are probably going to need a couple of bottles. Okay, but anyway, I, I did some research on this, and I discovered from another uh, specialist that th there are limitations on what fenbendazole will kill from a parasitical standpoint. There, it, certain species, certain types of cancer, certain species, that, that thing. Okay, so I found a, uh audio bite from a specialist who specializes in ridding people of parasites, and he said it's a three-way attack requirement. So basically what his regimen is, is 222-fenbendazole three times a day and 12 milligrams of ivermectin 
three times a day. And then he has another one. Now I have, uh, you know, I have it. Now there's like the one that I have here goes after the other ones that are actually pretty easy to get rid of. And it's a product called Scram, S-C-R-A-M. Okay. And, and so if you hit them from three different directions, fenbendazole, uh, ivermectin, 12 milligrams a day, three times a day. And then also this, you know, product like Scram or whatever that goes after the relatively easy ones to get rid of, which are the, uh, uh, the in, intestinal ones. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's what the, the, the specialist on parasites said you have to do in order to make it a comprehensive attack against that particular thing. But then you also have to go back in afterwards and get yourself some really quality probiotics. And by the way, the really good ones, you got to go to the health food store and you got to get them to give them, get, you got to get them from the refrigerator. If you want the really good probiotics so that your body is able to restore its natural balance of bacterium and get back to normal and have your hormonal balance correct, and this isn't my ballywick, so you can do your own homework. I'm just sharing a summary from a very high level. Uh, you're going to want to go to like, you know, a vitamin center or whatever and get the really good probiotics that are refrigerated. Those are the ones. All right. So anyway, this is um, uh, uh, Jesse Waters talking about, you know, some information that they dug up about Anthony uh, murder Fauci. All right. Let's go ahead and bring this one up. Here we go. New evidence has just surfaced tying Dr. Anthony Fauci to the CIA's cover up of COVID-19. Last week, a whistleblower claimed the CIA was paying people off to bury the lab leak theory. And now this from the House Committee investigating the pandemic origins. Quote, Dr. Fauci was escorted into Central Intelligence Agency CIA headquarters without a record of entry and participated in the analysis to influence the agency's review. The committee is now ordering HHS to hand over documents detailing all of Fauci's movements during the pandemic in and out of CIA-controlled sites. New evidence has just surfaced. All right. Anyway, if there's anybody out there that's even the least bit surprised about that, you haven't been paying attention. It's time to go to theplandemicmovie.com. Theplandemicmovie.com. And what you're, what you're going to hear is only part of the story, actually. It's a fabulous uh, series of three uh, documentaries. Fabulous. It's absolutely prerequisite. You have to understand that. But there are other whistleblowers out there that are familiar with the conspiracy of using a pandemic to attack the global population and uh, put us into 1984 Orwell. Um, that it's been going all the way back to the 60s. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Another headline up. Migrants entered the United States when barbed wire cut was cut. So, again, um, there was thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of them. They were being held back by circumdine wire. And somebody, who, who knows, they don't say, uh, came along uh, and, oh, it says that the Border Patrol helped them out. The Border Patrol themselves had said 11,000 people came walking through the cut barbed wire as somebody from the Border Patrol walked over with a pair of tin snips and snipped them open. All right. Do I care? No, you know what? Anything that accelerates our departure from this alien demon infested rock is welcome in my life. Hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. Glory to God. All right. Um I you know, I'm all for it. All right, next one up. Washington Post announces misinformation research is buckling under the Republican legal attacks. Okay, so there are, according to this article, a whole lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of efforts out there to legally put, you know, they want to commit, they want to put together, and the United Nations is kind of leading the charge. Canada has already signed, uh, signed up for it. 
to basically allow the United Nations and their charter to identify what is uh, illegal speech versus what is legal speech. In other words, hey, you can't say that, that kind of a thing. And they're putting together committees. It's totally, you know, very, very creepy, very, very Orwellian. And those are the days that we live in, and I think we all know that. Praise God. Next one up. The West is directly at war with you, with, with us, says Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov. Lavrov's focus was on the Ukraine Western backers of NATO as he warned uh, that he considered the United States and the United Kingdom to be directly at war with Russia due to their military assistance. But it's more than that. Uh, they've taken out leopard tanks. They've found German, you know, all Germans inside. I mean, you know, Poland, German, anybody who thinks it, I've said this a gazillion times before, I don't even know how many times, but it's not Ukrainians, folks. They've exhausted all the Ukrainians, I mean, except for Grandpa, which they're throwing out there. They, they're, they're, they're very, very evil, and they kill their young. All right, so anyway, next one up is as follows. Politico reports that Biden agrees to send long-range missiles to Ukraine. So it was kind of on the table. People were wondering whether or not they were going to do it, but now it's guaranteed. The, uh, the ATACMS uh, missiles, which you know won't be a magic bullet by any stretch, will certainly allow the evil Nazi regimes uh, to uh, attack Russia deeper into their areas, which of course is designed to start World War III. And as we know, Tucker Carlson came out and went forward and he said very, very uh, um, boldly that he believes that triggering a what he called a hot war with Russia is one of the highest things on the evil one's agenda. Another headline reads, SpaceX sues Attorney General Merrick Garland over unconstitutional Department of Justice complaint. So now Elon Musk has said he has had enough. And he's going for blood directly to Merrick Garland. I like it. I know that what people think, I don't I, – I, all I say, I, I like it. 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 That's all I'm saying. All right. Next one up. Praise God. Breitbart says, serious concerns. Elon Musk, Neuralink. Dun, dun, dun. Scrutiny about animal testing and human safety. So evidently, Brett Musk is getting ready to dork around with. Now, see, you got to understand. If you look at the data on Neuralink, what you will discover is that his goal is to take people that are fully paralyzed, you know, like Brother Zen Garcia, for example, and install a chip in their heads and be able to restore their mobility so that they can walk and you know all that kind of stuff. Okay, now of course, when they did the trials on the monkeys, some really super ultra bad stuff happened. So, uh, you know, people are pushing back, and we'll see where this ends up. I don't know. But, you know, when you look at the data, when you read the data, it appears. Now, is this true? I do not know. I do not know. I have seen all kinds of information. I have seen very impeachable, very negative information about Elon Musk. I really, I don't, you know what, I really just don't care. I don't care. I'm just looking at every report standing on its own individual merit at this point. Now, I will say, like people like Ramzek Rafaswamy Wami, that guy, he's a plant. He is owned by Soros. He is owned by the reptilians, and he is a lying sack of lake of fire is what that guy is. All right, but, you know, um, I don't know. 
But anyway, uh, the Bible says judge, you know, judge them by their fruits. And uh, I like that Musk is going after Garland because Garland is about as sick. He's probably going, you know, I don't know. I don't know, but I would not at all be surprised if he's one of them, an archon. All right. Canada launches United Nations Declaration targeting online disinformation. Canada, Canada has launched a United Nations Declaration that calls for action to protect what it calls information integrity and to tackle disinformation. The Foreign Affairs Minister, Melanie Jolly, has launched a United Nations Declaration that calls for action to protect what it calls information integrity and to tackle disinformation, which was right in the headlines, and she wants to have it kicked forward by September it says here and by September 20th but we don't know we're going to have to wait and see how that pans out a lot of these things get stopped all right another headline reads African invasion of Europe has only just begun it's only just begun oh well, let's hope that's not what it okay and uh, you know what the end times is about let's hope that we're way further along and according to the prophetic words that we've been monitoring very few very few uh we are in the um uh, sorrows period. All right. And then another headline reads, the sides are drawn. America is destined to fight a long, a long, long guerrilla war to stave off extermination. And this is from David Hodges site. It's an article that he wrote. Is it true? Well, I will say this. There sure are an awful lot that believe so and have come forward and said so. All right. And uh, then, of course, you have the Waffen SS soldier that was giving a standing ovation in Canada's uh, uh, parliament. Let's listen to this report, and then we're going to bring on uh, Brother Lauren. All right. So we're almost there. Let's bring this up. Hold on a second. All right. Oh, Canada. The Speaker of Ottawa's lower house of parliament has now apologized and even resigned after he invited a World War II Nazi collaborator to be uh, applauded during a visit by Ukraine's President Zelensky. Now, both uh, Zelensky and Canada's Prime Minister Trudeau gave the former Waffen-SS soldier a standing ovation for his efforts in fighting the Soviet Union. Okay, and he's standing up. He's like in his late 90s, and he's waving everybody, and everybody's applauding him, and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, and I could play for you the Canadian Parliament uh, and their response, uh, public response of rebuke. Um, various representatives stood up, and uh, like Melissa Lanceman uh, th from Thornhill, Ontario, and she was exceedingly angry. Uh, there's been a number of people that, you know, it's, it's, it's a big darn deal, and uh, Russia is extremely angry. And Trudeau, the shape-shifting homosexual entity that he is, uh, has even come forward and say, oh, I just don't know how it could have happened. No, he knows. They, they know. They, 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 all this stuff is part of the, you know, the sinister 1984 movie that we're all, unfortunately, uh, stuck watching. All right. Poland demands an apology from Canada for honoring the Ukrainian Nazi veteran of the Waffen-SS. Now, what is the difference between the normal SS and the Waffen-SS? The Waffen-SS carried weapons, which means they shot people in the head, and they buried people in mass graves. They were the ones who did the really dirty stuff. Iran threatens Israel, unveils the longest-range drone in the world. Oh, no, that doesn't sound good. 
And on that note, let's bring on Brother Lauren Peterson. Hallelujah. Brother Lauren, are you there? Wake up! It's like it's like sister, it's like yeah. Cheech and Chong and Sister Mary Elephant, you know. And it's like he's wake up, and then you hear this like knife flying across the room. Shh! Oh no, no, no! That's where they go. Young man, give me that knife, and then you hear. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really showing my age now. You know, if you want door number one, door number two, or door number three, and it's like door number three, man, and then it's like you be big door number three. It's Officer O'Reilly. You're busted. Woo, woo, woo. Oh man, what a bummer, man. Yeah. James not bummer. here. Remember that? I know. <laughs> it's like the best album ever made. It's anyway, such a whatever. bummer, man. <laughs> I know. Too funny. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm dating now. myself. Yeah. And now they're like walking around going, hey, hey, who would have thought this day would have ever come? <laughs> yeah. They just walk into a store now. Uh, anyway. So, Lauren, on that note, my friend, I will turn the microphone over to you, turn my microphone mute on, oh. and pass out. <laughs> Well, okay, so um, now you played a clip with, uh, was it Maria, 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 interviewing Matt Gates. Yeah, remember that? Okay, I would never do an interview with her if they paid me a million bucks because she's a harpy lady. She's, uh, she runs harp? No, she's a harpy lady. (laughs) That's a term. She plays, she uh, plays a harp? No, I, no, I mean, she's a harpy lady. She's a her voice is so shrill. Oh it's, it's no, like, no, oh, oh, oh! Try it with it, a high fidelity headset, a Sennheiser high fidelity headset for doing the radio show. Try it in HD. There's, I mean, I, I I'm just, telling you, I think I have holes in my eardrums now. It's a horrible sound. I could, you never, know. I could never listen oh. to her interviews. Yeah, I could no, never be interviewed by Matt. You're holding <laughs> up the whole Congress, Matt. I'm like, you know, oh, my arms. I could, I had to hold them back. They were reaching for the screen. I just wanted to. Uh, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so you, you bring up, a, you bring up a very good point. She's one of them. <laughs> She's one yeah, of them about, about, in female form. Yeah. Indeed. So go ahead and sue me. You'll get a you'll get a couple moths on my wallet. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what times yeah, are we living in hard. now, huh? I have to listen to no, harpy ladies. <laughs> then I, it was, then it was very hard Harris and Hillary Clinton, you know, harpy ladies. No. Oh, yeah, and nine-foot-tall Draco with um, hands that felt like, uh, Bill Deagle said, a hand that felt like a cold mackerel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very creepy. Yeah. Wow. All righty. So. All right. It's all yours, my friend. I'm going to. What do you. 
I don't know. What do you feel like? (laughs) What do I want to know? I want to know when we're getting off. When do we get out of here? Yeah, how many many, uh, Peterson Chronicles Angel Wars shows do we got to do before? You know, come on, where's the evacuation bus? It's time to get out of here. I want to get out of this alien demon infested rock for crying out loud. Thank you, Jesus. And I don't want to hear the word (laughs) soon one more time. Not one more time. No more soons, no more imminence, no more. No, no, no. I'm going to jump into the crowd underneath the throne and I'm going to say, when, Lord, when? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. So I really I, I appreciate you playing these those um <clears throat> those um series of um <laughs> when we were doing the Peterson Chronicles, you'd have them played in the shows, you know. <clears throat> those clips you played earlier on. Oh, I know, like um, this. Yeah, there you go. Like this. Oh, there you go. And like, uh, and this one, and then, uh, there's all kinds of good ones. Um, okay. Here's, here's, uh, Hillary picking up the phone. Remember this? Yep. Remember? Yeah. Fox more Vaxicaba. Ed, she vote She won't it's just wrong. Wrong. This is disturbing. <laughs> you know, I watched some of the I watched yeah. some of the old Star Trek movies a, a couple weekends ago. I don't remember yeah. the name of the one that I was watching, but it was it, oh, I know what it was. It was the one with Khan in it, like from the Wrath of Khan, and yeah, they went yeah. to that. Yeah, they got that hall pass to go uh, after Khan. Because he had escaped to a Klingon yeah. planet that was banned, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, and uh, that uh, I think it was a, the woman who plays a Huru or whatever. She uh, she could speak Klingon, and she goes down and confronts them. And I'm I'm watching the the movie, you know, and she goes, and I'm like going, hey, it's Hillary. <laughs> Now, of course, I overlaid the predator sound on top of it to creep, make it even more creepy. But yeah, no, that's just too much for me, man. That that keeps you up at night. I'm going to have to anoint my bed for sure tonight. (laughs) Way too creepy. All right, folks, uh, get your crash helmets on and (laughs) knee knee pads, elbow pads, and bubble suits on. We're going for a ride (laughs) on the wild side. Yeah, okay, you'll open up with a prayer first. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you and we thank you that you are who you are and that your word is true and the day's coming when you're you're coming back and you're going to lay waste the evil and the wicked and render the score once and for all. And we thank you that you're going to be doing this because we we look at the world around us today and yesterday, today, and to the tomorrows that are yet to come, all the wickedness that rises up and the horrible things that they do to everybody, and especially children, and even babies in the womb, and just one sacrifice after another, after another, after another. And evil is rising up. They know it's the end game. They know their time is short, so they're 
upping, they're even accelerating their agenda, but we know that you have the ultimate say on what happens and when it happens. And we know that in looking at the past years when there were so many credible prophecies of this, that, and other thing that were supposed to come true but haven't because you called an audible. That which restraineth is still in force. And part of that which restraineth is the prayers, the fervent prayers of your saints interceding for others. And we thank you for the privilege of interceding for others. We thank you for the privilege of being co-laborers in your labor of salvation unto lost souls and even ongoing salvation, to work out our salvation amongst those who are already saved or born again in you, that we must finish the race and encourage one another in doing so because the times we're not living in Andy and, you know, Mayberry anymore. We're not living in Gomer Pile times anymore. We're living in very dire and dark times, and we need encouragement to stay the course. And so tonight we lift up everybody who's listening in, in future podcasts, and we ask and release in your name, Lord Jesus, your encouragement directly from your throne room, directly from your word as we read your word, that you'll direct us through your Holy Spirit if we need encouragement through your word, that even as John would at times pass just the Bible on the table and flip open a, flip it open and wherever it opens up to, and miraculously it was something that you had for him at that moment from your word. Even if that's the, the technique that we use, is just flip it open somewhere that your word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word shall accomplish that which you have purposed and will not return to you void. Whether we read it from cover to cover or just a snippet or a verse or just randomly open up the Bible and read what's there. Your word is your word, Lord Jesus. And we lift you up. We lift up your word. We lift ask that you pour out your spirit upon all flesh throughout the world now and in the days to come and that the latter day rains are coming and they're already starting to come down. That where evil rises up, your light shines ever more brighter and you are building up your warriors in the faith, faith in you and your word, building up your warriors to take them on that you will not let the darkness escape without notice and without effect. Divine retribution. And so tonight we just ask that you guide our conversation, what, what I talk about tonight, and that you would bless and anoint the understanding of the listeners to understand wherever you lead me tonight, Lord Jesus. In your name, amen. So Jesus, you know, we we have a tendency in our natural flesh to cower, cower, and cower in fear, and oh, you know. But Jesus is raising an end times army. Just go unanswered, all this darkness. An end times army. There are skilled warriors, skilled in His word, skilled in His weapons of war, that are spiritual, not 
um, you know, fleshly or uh, materialistic. And so there's a lot of people today that they've like abandoned going to church anymore. I'm one of those. And that's because as I look back, because Jesus called me out of the church. And I say, how, how could that happen? Isn't the church supposed to represent Jesus Christ? Aren't we supposed to go to church and have fellowship? But if the church itself or whatever body you go to is starting to atrophy, is starting to become no different than the world, then you just belong to a social club. You just belong to another club. It's not being the salt of the earth anymore. You're going to a dead church. Or what's even worse than a dead church maybe is a church that's legalistic. That's got you so wrapped up in legalism that you can't even live your life in Jesus Christ. Because you're worried, oh, did I comb my hair just right? You know, Did I put on my the correct dress or the correct suit or uh, you know am I going to look good in church am I going to sound good you know am I go to the the correct you know say the power of God did I say God correctly you know or I'm going to get zapped by a lightning bolt and be sent straight to hell because I didn't dot the right T and or dot, dot the right I and cross the right T you know <laughs> you know kind of thing and get so paranoid that you can't even live. There's some people who are so scared of dying that they can't even live. They already have one foot in the grave because they're so scared of dying that they can't even, even their other foot can't even, isn't even in the side of life anymore, you know, people like that. My position, my opinion is, I'll go when Jesus determines it's my time to go. I'm not going to succumb to fearing. You see, I, I don't care if if cancer is running through my body. I could care less because the blood of Jesus flows through my veins. I am covered, I declare it, in spite of who I am, in spite of my sins, in spite of everything. The blood of Jesus covers me and courses through my veins I'll go when he determines it's time for me to go and not before then <laughs> Okay, that's my position cancer if there's any cancer either take a back seat or get lost COVID take a back seat or get lost I don't have time for COVID I don't have time for cancer I don't have time for the common cold I only have time for Jesus and what Jesus wants me to do. And sometimes, you know, I fall short of that, don't we all? Okay. We're in this world, but we're not supposed to be part of it. But it's difficult at times not to be part of this world, is it not, folks? If you got bills to pay, mortgage, kids, family, you know, it's really tough not to be part of this world okay it's really tough even if you were fortunate or unfortunate to live in a cave all your life you would still be uh have to look at yourself (laughs) 
you'd still have yourself to contend with. You'd still have issues to contend with if you spend your whole life living in a cave. And, you know, you look at some of the folks who have lived their whole lives in a cave. We look at those poor reptilians down in the Chilean mine disaster a few years back. I, I know, John, if you're still awake, you remember that one. You've played that a number of times where NASA even got involved. Now, what would NASA be involved in a Chilean mine disaster? It's because reptilians were, reptilians were chomping down on some of those miners that got caught uh, behind the in the the cave-in, you know, and they couldn't escape in time, so they were chomped down on, okay, by those reptilians that lived down there. NASA knows all about them. NASA knows a lot about a lot of things, but they ain't talking. They're they're uh, they're not talking about the things they do know. They, they're still stringing us along about the UFO disclosures, you know, Congress is and stuff. This big disclosure of UFOs and stuff. Yeah, they're just stringing us along, just throwing out a few baits here and there to keep the public mesmerized. Oh, they're they're coming clean with what they know. No, they're not. If the government ever tells you the truth about anything, they're only doing so to conceal a greater lie. So the question is, okay, so they threw out a few tidbits. What are they concealing? They're concealing the Mac Daddy, okay, and the ultimate agenda. So that's kind of what uh, the... Um, where we delve into the Luciferian Rebellion and the Angel Wars, what that agenda is. So, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 12 through 19, it talks about Lucifer. Uh, You've heard me say this many times, and it's, it's a bedrock. Now, there's some theologians, you know, have their PhDs and, uh, you know, 40, 50, 60 years of deep study of Scripture, you know, and stuff. They will try to convince you that that stretch of Scripture is just talking about a mortal man, you know. Well, you go ahead and read that stretch of Scripture and uh, wrap your mind around what the word perfect means. Okay? Has there been any man since the fall of Adam and Eve that has been perfect in all his ways onward until iniquity was found in him are we not since Adam and Eve fell fell, been born into sin into their sin passed down through generations for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, the original sin of Adam and Eve, and then accumulating the sins of all the mothers and fathers like a snowball that rolls down the hill, you know, mountainside, and just becomes an avalanche of sin in the end game. Unless those days be cut short, no flesh would remain alive. One reason that statement would be true is because of this snowball avalanche effect of sin itself as it's passed down through so many generations to our time that if it's left ultimately unchecked would result in the complete loss of not only the human race but we have the capacity here to as we're seeing live of destroying the whole planet If Bill Gates has his way, 
the evil mastermind that he is, you know, with his billions of dollars and all his connections to render this planet along with the Soros family and Klaus Schwabo and his sidekick Harari, ha ha Harari, uh, they would render this planet back to Genesis 1, 2. And the earth had become without form and void of life. That's where they want to take this planet, back to that status. Because at that time, chaos reigned supreme. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. Darkness, chaos, confusion. Where anything goes, chaos, darkness, confusion, death, destruction. Upon the face of the deep, the deep translates into the abyss. The abyss is a bottomless pit, a pit that has no end. No bottom, no end to it. That's what they enjoyed. And that's where they want to take this back to. In order to understand that enigma, you have to understand that the traditional model of the story of creation is a straight read-through from Genesis 1-1 through 131. I believe it is thirty. Uh, verse thirty-one is the last verse of chapter one, but should have continued chapter one to verse three to four in chapter two. Should have been included in chapter one. So whoever made that adjustment to the narrative should probably be spanked. <laughs> okay. But there was a reason they did that. Um, <clears throat> So the traditional model is a straight-through read, which is fine for Sunday school lessons and for children and stuff. And if you're happy to be living, you know, happy with the standard explanation, have at it. But when this agenda that's at a, uh, that's unveiling before us day by day, moment by moment, you know, unveiling before us, um, by the movers and shakers on the world scene and behind the world world scene. If you don't have a, an understanding of what really happened, the real story behind the creation story, you're going to be you're going to be way behind the curveball. You're going to be way behind the eight ball. You're going to be bowled right over, and you're not going to have sufficient answers for a world that desperately needs correct answers. And it's all right there. But it hasn't been interpreted properly. So in former generations, it was fine because they weren't there yet. In our generation, we are there now. And we need to know the answers. I think it was uh, Matthew chapter 13 where Jesus is teaching on the parable of the um, the sower, seed and the sower. And so that is an important parable right there in itself. In fact, chapter 13, when you read through chapter 13, Matthew 13, it's one of those nexus chapters. It's one of those things that is so jam-packed with incredible information when you start peeling back the layers of the onion that it's just mind-blowing what's in chapter 13. But after he taught in that parable... 
his disciples kind of like pulled him off the side and said, well, what do you mean by that? Why, why do you always talk to the crowds in parables? Why don't you just come straight out and tell them what, what you're getting at, you know? And he tells them why, why he speaks in parables. But then he says, but for you, that's referring to his disciples, for you, but for you, my disciples, it's for you to know the mysteries The mysteries of my parables, the mysteries of the kingdom, the mysteries in my word. It's for you to know. So if you're a disciple, a true disciple of Jesus Christ, not just a Christian, but a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's for you to know the mysteries that are embedded in his word. And once those mysteries become unlocked for you, you will never read the Bible the same again under the traditional, you'll still understand the traditional model, but you'll never to adhering to every detail of the traditional model. It's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. It's just gaining a deeper understanding the what's behind the veil of the creation story. What's behind the veil? Okay, so for a time such as this, for the warriors that Jesus is rising up will have to know, have to know the truths that are embedded in the creation story. And <clears throat> so Jesus, if, you, if you're called, being, feel like you're being called, like you don't fit in a church anymore, a church situation anymore, you just feel like maybe you're sidelined or you're you warmer or relationships are going sour or maybe things are you feel like you're it's just feeling stale like the freshness the newness of the holy spirit just isn't there anymore you know it's just like um you know it's just not there that you just feel like I need something new. I need something different. Or maybe this is just going sideways all the time on me here in this church, and i got to get out of here, but I feel guilty because I'm leaving behind friends and stuff, but yet my friends just aren't there with my understanding of things. Maybe Jesus is calling you out. And if he does call you out, he'll either take you to a church who is alive in him and will accelerate your growth like, like nobody's business, or he's calling you out to go one-on-one -on -one with him on a one-on-one -on -one wilderness journey. So in either scenario, he wants to prepare you for even greater things and even bigger demands that are going to be coming upon you and coming your way and people that you might have to intercede for prayer-wise as well as directly, maybe help with food or money or housing or something as the economy gets worse and people are thrown out of jobs and they're scratching their heads. They believe in the American dream and now that dream has turned into a nightmare. Okay. Or maybe they, they believed in this or believed in that, you know, and their world is upside down, inside out now, but you've got to figure it out because Jesus took you, called you out of that dead church and to either put you in a live church or draw you out to a one-on-one -on -one with him. And if you're a one-on-one -on -one with him, you don't go from Egypt to the promised land without going through the wilderness journey. 
And that wilderness journey is where he takes you. He trains you. He's your your uh, drill sergeant. He's your commanding officer. He's going to train you. He's going to drill you. He's going to challenge you. He's going to comfort you, you know, one-on-one with Jesus. And it's not going to be a thrill ride. It's not going to be fun at times. It's going to be very demanding, very challenging. Sometimes you'll think you're losing your mind, you know, but you're not. Okay. And if you think you are, you just pour out your heart to Jesus, you know, and he'll be there to comfort you and to get you back up and going again, you know. And uh, so... It's develop a one-on-one with him. So when the real tough times come that are coming yet, that you have been trained, you have been well-trained to distinguish light, his light from Lucifer's darkness, appearing as godly light. There's a darkness so dark so as to appear as light. Beware of the false light. And there's so much false light in the world today, even in the churches that call themselves Christian churches. There's a lot of false light in those churches. Beware of the false light, because that false light will lead you to the darkness. So you want that one-on-one with Jesus. You want to be disciplined by him. You want that intimate relationship with him. So even if in your journey you venture off to the left or to the right, you get sidetracked, you know that you have that relationship with him, and you know you can confess your sins, and he will be faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness. Because you will become his end-time warrior. He's raising up his own private army to go after the bad guys. But it's not with conventional means. It's through the pulling down of strongholds. And to know who you are firmly in Christ Jesus. So if cancer happens to rule, you know, rear its ugly head in your life, cancer, be gone in the name of Jesus. I don't have time to entertain you. I don't have time for you to be in my body to afflict me. Get lost. I am covered by the blood of Jesus, and it courses through my veins. COVID, get lost. Common cold, get lost. I haven't had a vaccine of any kind since 1976 that's when God woke me up to the fallacies of vaccines now he's going to wake up a lot more people when they're on their deathbed because of what they have recently taken and what they think they're going to take coming up big bad flu season I'd rather have the blood of Jesus going through my body than an ungodly, anti-Christ, satanic vaccine that's designed to kill me. All right. 
Now, Lucifer rebelled for some reasons. One of them was pride, but where does pride come? This is one of the questions I had at the turn of the century. Um, give or take, you know, that time period. Okay, so we know scripturally in Ezekiel 28 that pride welled up within Lucifer. And out of his pride, we branch over to Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through again 19 or thereabouts, 21 down there. Okay, is very revealing his five I wills, okay, and then continuing on down. And I, I do have those scriptures pulled up, so I might read them quickly coming up here. So pride, pride goeth before destruction, before a fall, before destruction. So pride, but what triggered the pride, okay? A person just doesn't become proudful out of the blue, okay? Something happened to trigger that pride, so what was it, okay? What was it? That was my question, and Jesus answered it. So we turn to... Um, Matthew 19, and it's reflected also in like in Mark and Luke. The rich young ruler. This was the first one Jesus showed me as uh, the rich young ruler. And behold, this chapter, Matthew 19, uh, verse 16. And behold, a man came up to Jesus saying, Teacher, what, and this would be not a man, but a, a young man, okay? Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And the young rich ruler said to Jesus, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to Jesus, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? And in the other... Um, Mark and Luke, it says, all these I have kept from my youth on up. And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And other, other Mark, uh, Luke say, and take up your cross and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. All right. Jesus opened my eyes up to this story, a real-life story, a real-life encounter with a rich, young ruler. So this man was wealthy, very wealthy. And you know wealth can buy you just about anything you want in life if you have enough wealth. Just ask Bill Gates. <laughs> just ask George Soros and Alex, okay? Ask Klaus Schwab, all these movers and shakers, just what kind of wealth it takes to move mountains, you know, to get what they want out of life. They can buy just about anything except eternal life. And that was the channel here. How about the Pope, okay? <laughs> Pope, you know, Catholic Church sworn to poverty, right? Yeah, right. Chuckle, chuckle. Okay, the Pope is another mover and shaker on the world scene, commanding vast wealth of resources. Okay. 
So Jesus says to this young, so he's young, he's wealthy, wealthy, can buy anything. So he had the best camels, the best uh, houses, you know, at that time, uh, maid servants, um, uh, men servants. Uh, he probably had flocks of sheep and goats and uh, camels and cows somewhere out in the country, you know. I mean, he was probably had his investments, you know. Um, so wealth, what it can buy, right? And he was young. The implication, young, youthful, that youthful vitality and energy and optimism, go for the gusto, grab the bull by the horns, you know. And he was probably handsome and a ruler. So was he part of the political rulership or the religious rulership? Well, sometimes they were together back in those days. You could be in politics, but also a teacher or a rabbi in the synagogue. Okay, so I picture this guy as being very wealthy, being very youthful and handsome, and being involved a pillar of the community type in political and or economic and or religious. In all three spheres, he's involved and he's admired. He's, you know, a pillar of the community type. And Jesus is saying, if you want to be perfect, you got to give all this up and take up your cross and come follow me. And see, that doesn't make any sense to this guy. Finance and ministry by giving up all my wealth. <laughs> Jesus, you should be asking me for some of my money, for some of my connections here. I can open up vast vistas for you, Jesus. I've got all kinds of money. i got camels. I can take you anywhere you want to go. I can hire ships and crews to, to man the ships to take you to other places on the planet. I can do anything for you. And you want to tell me to give, give it all up? Okay. Are you joking me? And I'm teaching... Um, preaching in the synagogues I'm, I'm proclaiming the word of god you want me to give that up this story here real life story is backwards reflective to lucifer himself as a rich young ruler in lucifer's time in the original creation that he was not willing to give it up we look at John the Baptist who was willing to give it all up and he said so when Jesus' public ministry was about to begin John proclaimed that one greater than I has come and that I am to, to fade in the background so he can come forth in the foreground so to speak Okay, that's what Lucifer was supposed to do eons ago but he refused to do that he refused to step down and step back so that jesus could step forward and step up lucifer refused but john the baptist was obedient okay two two different you know scenarios here and two different beings two different responses to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now let's dig a little deeper. Okay, so that's one of them. The um, second one that Jesus showed me was the, what uh, John uh, mentioned earlier tonight was the uh, parable of the laborers. 
Uh, and we should all know that pretty well, but I'll read it really quickly. This is Matthew 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, that's significance, the hours, the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour. And then the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, notice, it's no longer in threes now, it's from 9 to 11, that's two hours later, because the third hour would be midnight. There is a prophetic significance on the hours here. Third, six, nine, eleven, leading up to midnight. Okay, midnight hour. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idly all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, go into the vineyard and too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius, the same wage. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But the master replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. Now Jesus repeats that statement quite often in the scriptures, that the last shall be made first, and the first shall be made last. So when you come to understand that Lucifer was first created of all created beings, the first shall be made last. And the last, that would be God's direct seed line, will be made first. See, there's a hidden significance, a mystery embedded in that statement, and the last shall be made first, and the first made last. A prophetic mystery. <laughs> Once you know it, it unlocks. Okay, the third one. This is about the um, parable of the wicked tenants. This is in uh, Matthew 21, verse 33. Here another parable. There was a householder who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it. Hedge around it, hedge of protection, and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and let lent it out to tenants and went into another country. Now, isn't that interesting? Went into another country, a far country. Does that kind of ring a bell with Isaiah chapter 13, that, that God summons his mighty ones from another country, from a far country? <laughs> okay. 
that the, the master here went into another country. So we're taking this from an earthly understanding into a much higher understanding. I think it's in Isaiah that uh, God says, Are not my ways higher than your ways? Are not my thoughts higher than your thoughts? So if we can even a smidgen get close to imagining God's higher thoughts and God's higher ways, we can then start unlocking these mysteries. But that depends on whether you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, these mysteries will remain mysteries to you because it's only to his true disciples to know these mysteries. So the, the master went into a, another country. When the season of fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first. More number-wise, number more than the first. And they did the same to those servants. Afterward, he sent his son to them. That would be Jesus, okay, saying, they will respect my son. The father saying they will respect my son, Jesus. But when the tenants saw the son, that would be Jesus, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. Cast him out of the vineyard and kill him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, they meaning the uh, people who are listening to Jesus here, said to Jesus, well, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus said to them, those who are listening to him, have you never read in the scriptures the very stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation producing the fruits of it. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. Well, like, hello, anybody home? Lights on? Nobody's upstairs? Yeah, they, they, the clue. They got a clue. The light bulb came on. They perceived that Jesus was talking about them, but when they tried to arrest him, they feared the multitudes because they held him to be a prophet. The multitudes held Jesus to be a prophet. <laughs> yeah, Jesus is talking about them. So the wicked tenants are the wicked angels. So here in the rich young ruler, who didn't want to let go of what he had, became wicked. And then we have the laborers who uh, were expecting to get paid more than those ones that uh, came in at the end there. And so they were all like ticked off that they were paid the same wages. And then we have the wicked tenants that killed the servants that the fa that the master of the father sent and even killed his son. Wicked tenants. 
These are the wicked angels, Lucifer and his wicked bunch. Okay. So what triggered this? There's a clue in uh, Ezekiel 46, verse 16. This is the prince and inheritance laws. At the end of Ezekiel, it goes into depth about the um, plans for the new temple that God wanted his people to build, the second temple. Uh, very intricate details. But like in the middle of this, complexities, all these building complexities of how everything was to be laid out. It's kind of like in the middle of this, um, God kind of like does a side note here, and this is what he says. Thus says the Lord God, if the prince gives a gift of some of his inheritance to any of his sons, it shall belong to his sons. It is their possession by inheritance. But if he gives a gift of some of his inheritance to one of his servants, it shall be the servants until the year of liberty, after which it shall return to the prince. Now, in looking at this in the here and now of the Old Testament, of what God was laying out, how things were supposed to work, you know, the prince, servants, sons, servants, inheritances, and everything, how, how things were to be divvied up, okay? But we get the higher. God says, "My are not my ways higher than your ways, are not my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When we get a higher perspective of what this is talking about, this is talking about that until the year of liberty, is that not the year of jubilee? that in the grand scheme of things and the, within the original creation, that there came a time of a cosmic year of jubilee, of everything that God had divvied out as gifts to Lucifer and the angelics to hold um, as, as good stewards and then to return all that at the year of cosmic liberty cosmic jubilee after which it shall return to the prince but his inheritance shall belong to his sons it shall become theirs see there's a clincher right there Lucifer and up to one third of his angels who bought, who ate the apple of Lucifer, so to sp figuratively speaking, bought into his sales job, up to possibly one-third of the angelics, refused to return what had been given unto them to be good stewards, to be returned when it was needed at this cosmic year of Jubilee to be returned back to the prince, that's God the Father, so that it could then become an inheritance unto his direct seed line. His sons, his direct seed lines, the begotten ones. And they refused. Because it would mean that everything that they've been, uh, just like these 
parable of the laborers, a story about the laborers. They were laboring all this time, you know, in in building God's creation and tending to his his vineyard, his creation, and tending to all the details. See, God is a God of <clears throat> of delegation. He's not some uh, puppet master pulling everybody's strings, although sometimes, you know, it's understandable why people feel that way, but it's because we're in the fallen state. We're on a fallen state, on a fallen planet, in a fallen solar system, in a fallen one-third of the original creation that was originally pure and holy, but became contaminated to the point where God had to put it into a containment system. So it wouldn't contaminate any further beyond that one-third. And this is borne out in the book of Job, chapter 26, which I'll get to shortly. But they did not want to let go of what they had. They thought this, these begotten ones, God's direct seed line, should, should be at the bottom end, the low end of the totem pole. Now, Lucifer and his gang thought that they should continue to rule supreme and not let go, not return anything that had been given to them to be good stewards of. They wanted to keep it for themselves. So they fought a war over this. So that this one-third that that um, became impacted was, was supposed to have been returned back to the Father so he could dish it out to his sons, the begotten ones, to rule and reign with Jesus as elder brother. For the begotten ones versus the angelics, the begotten ones, Jesus is literally our elder brother. Jesus did not die on the cross for your dog or your cat or your horse or your pig or your cow or your salamander or your frog. <clears throat> He did not die on the cross for those life forms. He died on the cross for you to get you back. There's a real story behind why Adam and Eve came here. I'm going to get to, um, see if I can find it, Job 26. I'll read that. Okay. Verse 5, the dead tremble under the waters and their inhabitants. The dead tremble under the waters. Okay. That has not only a worldly meaning, you know, an earthly meaning, but a a spiritual, supernatural meaning. The dead tremble under the waters, the waters. There's something significant about the waters. The waters has more than one definition and their inhabitants, the inhabitants of the waters. That ties into Genesis day two. And God separated the waters from the waters. Under the traditional model, we're talking about H2O waters, which is valid. God did separate the waters from the waters. Um and that's an interesting study in itself, how the how God restored this planet. See, on the traditional model, the six days of creation, you read it straight through, one, verse 1 through 31, straight through with no interruptions, 
as a straight-through creation story. But that's false, my opinion. It's false. The real story is that there's been plenty of interruptions and deviations, and God had to do something about it because of Luciferian Rebellion and Angel Wars over this deal over here in Ezekiel about they didn't want to give up, just like the rich young ruler didn't want to give it up to give it back to the Father so he could dish it out to his sons, to his royal priesthood, to his literal seed line, direct seed line from his loins. They don't want to return it. Okay, now we go over to Galatians to get a, a, different, a different view on, on his direct seed line. This is Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, isn't that what we just read here in Ezekiel 46? The heir, if the prince gives a gift of some of his inheritance to any of his sons, that is his direct seed line, it shall belong to his sons, his direct seed line, it is their possession by inheritance. So we go over to Galatians. Now I say that the heir, the one who is benefits from inheritance as long as he is a child, a child hired at the 11th hour, does not differ at all from a slave, though he, the child, is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards, that's angels, until the time appointed by the Father. See, creation knew who we were from the get-go, but we had not yet been made manifest to creation as to our individual roles and responsibilities as priests and king, kings directly ruling with Jesus over all creation, including over Lucifer and all his angelic realms. That includes total number of planets, solar systems, galaxies, multiple universes, multiple dimensions, multiple realms, multiples of everything. If if you get freaked out like, uh, I forget, John has mentioned him many many times as Odin Hetrick or something was taken allowed to go to heaven, and he was freak, freaking out because there was this male and female alien life form there that was just freaking him out like he probably thought they were demons or something. How could they be in heaven <laughs> with Jesus? But they weren't demons; they were legitimate life forms from somewhere else that Jesus created. Okay, in the original creation that had not fallen. Not all the, what we call angels, not all of them fell. Just like I remember you talking, John, uh, the, other, the other time uh, about watchers. We just jumped to the conclusion that all watchers are evil because we read about Genesis chapter 6, you know, about that the watchers came down, you know, the watchers. The two, there was 200 of them. Well, is there only 200 watchers in all of existence? Okay, probably not. There's probably a whole bunch of them that didn't fall. And there's probably a whole bunch more that did fall but weren't part of this 200 that came down. And probably there's other watchers who fell who came down afterwards because in that storyline it says and after this additional incursions of these watchers that came down that would imply even after the flood 
watchers came down and mingled their seed with the seed of men. Okay, it didn't end there at Noah's flood. They've been doing this to our time. And that's not even mentioning the serpent seed. The serpent seed is all around us. Okay, they're they're kind of like the ones in control, and they've joined forces with the the uh, watcher seed. So you have serpent seed and watcher seed, and they've joined forces to take over the planet. And they're <laughs> Trudeau. He's one of them. I, I call him puke face because every time I see him, I want to puke. Okay, <laughs> he's just a puke face. He's one of them. <clears throat> so some some of these world leaders, they stand out like a sore thumb on who they really are. Okay, <laughs> you know, if you could just rip rip the skin off their face, you'd see their reptilian you know, eyes uh, shining through the reptilian features. You know, scaly skin and <laughs> you know all that crap. You know, um, their true nature would be revealed and how they look. Okay, so we see the tie-in here with Galatians. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though the child is master of all. So before we were manifested, we were children, and we are still regarded as children unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his children. Uh, we are the Father's children, okay, children. And Romans 8 um, Go over here, eight nineteen. The creation waits. I like the rendition. What is it, King James? Yeah, I like the King James better. For the earnest expectation of the creature, that's creation, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Okay, so this is generally regarded as a prophecy, but it was meant to happen historically within the original creation, but it didn't because of this Luciferian rebellion and angel wars. Prevented this from coming to pass at that time of the original creation. That we were around, if you believe in pre preexistence, then the the uh, the true Adamites, not the ones that have been blended in and and stuff, but the true lineage, God's true direct seed line, had been brought forth within the original creation, but we had not yet been made manifested. We, in other words, we had not yet been graduated from our colleges and universities to assume our various roles and functions to rule and reign with Jesus Christ over all his creation, including over Lucifer and the nine angelic orders. So Galatians 4, verse 1 and 2 really nails it. But is the child is under guardians and stewards, that's angelics, until the time appointed by the Father. This could also be construed as you're sitting in church and it's getting dull, boring, or you just feel like you don't fit in anymore. But Jesus is actually calling you out because the time of training wheels, the time of you living your life by the training wheels is over unless you absolutely insist on living the rest of your godly life you know, riding your bicycle with training wheels on. But if you're going to do that, God cannot maximize you like he wants to. 
He can't take you. He can't pour out his end times rain on you, latter day rains, and have the effect on you that would if you yield to his calling you out to call you out under those guardians and stewards of the nine stone covenant of the angelics and the nine stone churches to go one-on-one with Jesus or to go to an on-fire 12-stone church. Now, where do I get this nine and 12-stone? Okay, another thing happened. This is in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12. Now, this stretch of scriptures is talking about Melchizedek. So Melchizedek has always been one of those mysterious figures in Scripture because very little is mentioned about him, but yet what is mentioned about him uh, can speak volumes, okay? But verse 12, for the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. The law, how things work, how they function, how they operate, the law, okay? When you turn the ignition, you put the key in your car switch and you turn the ignition on, there are certain laws that are put in operation that start your car. If your car just operated lawlessly by whim, by gosh, by golly, uh, you know, uh, one day to the next, you wouldn't know what would happen. You put the key in the switch, turn it on, and well, maybe one day it starts, maybe the next it doesn't, maybe the next day it spits and sputters, and all on down the road you go, spitting and sputtering and backfiring. I, I heard a car the other day doing that. It was like shotgun blast going off every second or two, you know, going down the street. Boom, 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 you know. Oh, you know, fortunately here in Rapid City, that can happen here in Rapid City where uh, guns go off, but it's not as prevalent as in the big cities where every kind of time, you know, every second something's going on in the big city, you know, stuff like that. So the priesthood was meant to be changed. Remember that John the Baptist down and stepped back so Jesus could step forward and step up to his role on this earth. But Lucifer refused to step down and refused to step back. He clinged to his role as the high priest of the nine stone covenant of the nine angelic orders. He refused to step down from that. He refused to become subservient to Jesus, to that level, just like the rich young ruler. This rich young ruler guy was someone to be admired. He followed all the rules of God from his youth on up. This guy was to be honored. If there was anybody who was perfect enough to get into heaven, it was this guy. And yet Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, in other words, Jesus looked into his heart, his soul, his his past, his future destiny, and he found something in him that was not yet perfect. And Jesus nailed it to him. If you want to truly be perfect, you got to give it all up and take up your cross and come follow me. And that's the same challenge he gave to Lucifer. Now, for eons, Lucifer had been a faithful servant of the Most High God and was, as a high priest, had the privileged, direct access into the throne room of the Trinity and of the 24 elders and of the four living creatures. He was the high priest of the nine stone covenant of the nine angelic orders in charge. They were the servants, okay, 
over again, over here in Galatians. They were the guardians in this creation and of his direct seed line that were children and teenagers. And had they been allowed to graduate, had the angel wars not happened, they would have been allowed to graduate and allowed to take their various roles and functions under the leadership of the 12 stone covenant of Jesus Christ. See, for those who are begotten, those who are God's direct seed line, Jesus is the high priest of the 12 stone covenant. And he was always meant to be our high priest, not Lucifer. So Lucifer wants to change it. He wants, for those of us, you know, it's one thing for him to, to insist that the nine stone angelics continue to follow him. But it's another thing for him to insist that the 12 stone begottenness follow his nine stone covenant. It's like operating substandard, like operating in sublight speed rather than warp factor 10. Okay? If you're a 12 stone covenant person, you you know, it should quicken in your spirit that you are a 12 stone begotten one. That will quicken in your spirit if you are one. Okay? If you're a nine stoner, it probably won't make any sense at all to you. A nine stone angelic here in an earth earth suit, human earth suit. Okay? <laughs> now, the way to, to look at this, we, we see again back in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12, for the priesthood being changed, there was going to be a change in the priesthood. Okay, go, again, tying in Ezekiel 46. <clears throat> Until the year of liberty, there had come a time within the original creation of a year, a cosmic year of jubilee on which everything that God had entrusted to the angels as stewards and guardians, guardians and stewards, was to be returned to him so that he could dish it out to his direct seed line. But Lucifer and up to the third of the angelics refused. And they even waged a war against this. All right? waged a war against God's direct seed line. They did not want to become subservient. See, in a sense, Lucifer had been subservient to, to Jesus for eons of time. They hobnobbed together. They went here, went there throughout creation. They were best friends, were like brothers, but they weren't brothers. Jesus is firstborn of all creation, firstborn. That's important to remember that. Jesus is firstborn. Lucifer was first created. There's a difference between being born, created. Okay? <clears throat> so, Jesus was first born, but as first created, Lucifer, they became best friends. They became like brothers, going all over creation, continuing acts of creation. Okay? Again, God is a God of delegation. He's not a puppet master. We read that in the... Uh, uh, Psalm um, 82, 
were the Psalm 82 judgments where God enters into the assembly of the gods. Okay, does that sound like he's and he's passing down judgments and stuff, and, and there's an assembly of the gods. So does that sound like he's ruling and uh, being a puppet master, that he's a, one ruthless dictator over all his creation? And uh, you know, No, you read, even when Jesus said that uh, if you as good fathers, if, you, if your son asks for uh, bread, are you going to give him a stone? If you're asked for a fish, you can give them a scorpion, you know, or a serpent or something. You know, no. If you, as good, if earthly fathers, give, give good gifts to your children, then your heavenly Father also wants to give good gifts to you. Okay. Um, so Jesus was revealing there in that story our heavenly Father's heart. He wants to give us good gifts, okay? He doesn't want to, you know, zap us and send us to hell. He doesn't want to be a micromanager of every single thing we say and do and think and coming and going and everything like we're some you know, rag doll on, on some puppet master's rag doll, you know? No, he wants us. Why do you think even when he brought forth Adam and Eve here, the ability to procreate? so that we could participate creation in bringing forth new life, like after like. We even see that in the natural world around us, of like producing like. Dogs producing dogs, cats producing cats, the procreation process, so that God did not have to get individually involved in every single act of creation of every single dog that's ever been in existence and will be. He made a mechanism whereby the dogs can enjoy the ongoing acts of creation themselves, be partakers of the ongoing acts of creation through procreation. And us as a higher beings, as his direct seed lines, he's want us to understand and to enjoy the ongoing acts of creation through procreation. But what do we see in the world today? The opposite, that having kids is a burden. Having kids, you need to murder them in the womb, even after they've been born. Murder them, because they're a hindrance to your your uh, job and career prospects. And if you're going to be a movie star, or a, uh, you know, <laughs> um, songster, you know, a rock musician or something, you got to murder your kids and be glad about it, so you can gain all the wealth and fame and fortune. Okay. <laughs> that Lucifer has to provide for you. So, um, the thief cometh not, but the, was it the kill, murder, and destroy, destroy, murder, and kill, you know? And that any time you see that, that trilogy happen, you know who's in charge of that effort. It's not God, it's Lucifer. We see that in the government, every layer of government. Government is the biggest contributor to poverty and despair and ruination on the planet, is government. They do everything they can to put a noose around your neck and hang you at the nearest tree. Okay, they do. I speak from personal experience. They destroy the economy the viable economy, so you have no choice but to get on their programs. And when you get on their programs, you have no choice but to stay on their programs until you're dead. If you dare to venture outside their programs, they will 
prosecute you under perjury and send you off to prison. Well, you'll die there too. Yeah, anyway, okay. Welcome to prison planet Earth. It wasn't God's original intent for this planet, but it's what Lucifer made it into. So Jesus was always meant, he is the high priest of the 12 stone covenant, is Jesus Christ. Again, Hebrews 7, verse 12, for the priesthood being changed of necessity, there's also a change of the law. So the priesthood was meant to change at this cosmic year of Jubilee. The priesthood was meant to change from the nine stone covenant of Lucifer to the 12 stone covenant of Jesus and the begotten ones. God's direct seed line. But it didn't happen because of the Luciferian rebellion and the angel wars, a real kinetic war that sought to destroy this plan. That, going back to Galatians again, that the guardians and stewards that were in charge of the begotten ones, that up to one-third of them belled against. You see, that the children, when they grew up, Tying in Romans 8, 19, for the earnest expectation of creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. That was meant to happen with the original creation, but it didn't. So had it happened, the guardians and stewards, all of them would have stepped down and stepped back so that the children now being fully manifested to creation now having graduated at the time appointed by the Father to assume the various roles and responsibilities to govern, to rule and reign with Jesus under the 12 stone covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ over all creation. That means that the 12 stone was meant to supersede, not eliminate, but to supersede the 9 stone covenant. Can you picture the Pope Tomorrow, or a week from today, ever, announcing on global television, hey, everybody, I'm stepping down as the Pope, and I am dissolving the Catholic Church as a global entity. I am dissolving it. Every cardinal, every uh, whatever they are, you know, cardinals and bishops and, and all that, you know, the whole c- corporate structure of the Catholic Church, I am disbanding it, and all individual church Catholic churches are now under the direct lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, and his direct holy church as a corporate entity is hereby dissolved, and I am stepping down, and all my cardinals and bishops are likewise stepping down, and we will be joining you in our various localities, joining to fellowship directly with you and your individual churches as one of you. Can you picture that ever happening? <laughs> not on, not ever happening. No, it won't happen. And even if the the white pope did, the black pope won't, because the black pope is 100% sold out to Lucifer and his agenda for this planet. Okay, so even if the white pope did, and I'm not being racist here, this is a definite uh, white black pope is the white pope is the one that's public. The black pope is the one who is hidden, who is really in charge of the Catholic structure, including the Jesuits and whoever else, you know, secret societies. 
pulling all the strings, right? They got a, you know trillions of dollars slush funds to move money anywhere and everywhere to buy off politicians and stuff. So it's not just the Illuminati; it's also the Catholic Church. Because do you think they're going to give up all that wealth, all that money, all that power, privilege, prestige? You think they're going to give all that up? Never. The only time they're going to be forced to give it up is when Jesus himself returns and forces them. Okay, And it won't be a pretty picture for them. So the same thing with Lucifer and his gang. They just didn't want to give up. They weren't going to about to, to hand it back over to our Heavenly Father so he could dish it out to his direct seed line. So in going to uh, Ezekiel 28 is where we read about the nine going stones to of Lucifer. Close this show. Going to okay. close the show. Okay. 60 right. seconds. Okay, I'll, 58. Okay, I'll be trying <laughs> to be track of time so easy. You crack me up. <laughs> okay, Ezekiel 20, 28, verse 13, talks about the nine stones of Lucifer, just for your homework assignment, but from 12 through 19, and ties into Isaiah chapter 14 of five I wills. Exodus uh, chapter 28, notice this 28, it's a doubling 14 plus 14 equals 28. It's a doubling of Ezekiel for uh, Ezekiel. I'm sorry. You're merciful, Ezekiel 28, brother. Exodus 28. Exodus 28 mentions the 12 stones of the breastplate of the ephod. <laughs> okay, so I'll leave you with that Lord, as a homework. You need to go to assignment. work. You need to go to work, my friend. You okay, need to get I'm up done. and good morning. <laughs> All right. God bless you, brother. Thanks for joining us tonight. God bless you. And uh, take care. Everybody take care. We'll see you Friday night at 7 p.m., Lord willing. Please, if you think of it and you have the time, lift me up in prayer. I sure could use it. And I know we all could, so I'll be praying for you as well. God bless you all. Thank you, Brother Lauren, for joining us. And, again, we'll, uh, Lord willing, we'll see you Friday night at 7 p.m. Lauren. Amen. You crazy person. All right. God bless you all. See you then. All right. God bless you all, too. Thank you. Bye. children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.